Welcome to day four of I Am Told's Camp Kaha at Challenge Road. Right, team, welcome along to day four of the I Am Tom Camp Kiakaha at Challenge Roach Shows. Uh, it's day four, John. We're, we're kind of just about lunchtime. We had an action packed night last night, which you're going to go into real soon. But before we do, sponsors Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes, and extreme endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. Oh, John, name is a couple. I'll just name one. Mr. Sausage last night, he was uh, telling me how good the extreme endurance is. He hasn't been on it before. And he says, Man, this extreme endurance is really good. I did that run last night, and I just feel nothing this morning. So Mr. Sausage is loving the extreme endurance. There you go, there you go. And I've got to be nice to him because he's going to be a massage in 30 minutes. Okay, well, there you go. It's really important that he gets it right. Uh, Jombo, today's show is going to be kind of action pro-packed, we could say, because we've got lots of interviews coming up. John, you've written them down. What? Bloody weather forecast changed again. What, from hot? It's going to be 32 degrees. But they have forecast some thunderstorms sort of late afternoon. I was thinking, sweet, that's going to be perfect. Thunderstorms have disappeared again. Uh, this is like Christchurch weather. It changes every bloody five minutes. Every couple of seconds it's changing on us, John. So, um, Today's show we've got, uh, yeah, who we got Earning a Party. We went along to that last night and it was a really nice informal setting for A, for us to do a few interviews, but also for a lot of the camp athletes and anybody else who went along to actually see the pros in the flesh and go, you know, point out, there goes Heather Wirtle, oh, she's pretty tall, and there goes so-and-so, and he's pretty small. Um, so it's just a really neat little vibe where people could mix mix amongst it and um, get to see the pros, and uh, it was just a good vibe. It was it was really cool, because basically what happens is, because last yesterday's show you would have heard us at the Expo. Well, at the Expo, it's a pretty massive Expo. Like it really Malina, Malina was saying to me last night, he said, you feel like you're at the biggest triathlon in the world. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the Expo, and it's really good. But the other thing I said yesterday, which I'll reinforce now, is that the Expo is a place you can hang out. It's not mm. just you go in, it's just trying to sell your crap and you walk out. It's kind of like a, it's kind of almost like a little town, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you've got some restaurants here and, all, and mm-hmm. food areas. And, uh, and so it's really cool to have all the top pros here and just hanging out and, and anyone can go say hello to them and they're very accessible. And they're all dressed up in these funny costumes, the uh, Le- Leberhausens. We were interviewing Trenzo, the poor boy was sweating hey, up a storm. Was sweating a storm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty hot. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, I don't know, it just really adds to the atmosphere of the race. Mm. And it was interesting interviewing with some of the camp campers in today's show saying they just feel so relaxed here mm. you know and it's just a, the general feel of it so it was really cool last night really enjoyed it so we caught up with uh, I caught up with Dougal Allen he was a winner at Challenge Wanaka so we've got a good Kiwi contingent along with Terenzo Botzoni and Bevan mainly interviewed him we uh, tag teamed Belinda Granger yep. and, and then, then we interviewed her and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a humorous chat with Joe Skipper uh, oh he's gold he is gold he's just the funniest guy isn't he yeah without yeah he yeah. is hilarious God, I love uh, had a quick chat with Dylan McNeese he's not actually racing uh, he's doing, out here doing a team and yep. his girlfriend Annabelle is racing and then also caught up with another non-racing athlete Michelle Vestibu who raced Ironman Austria last weekend and she's out here supporting uh, a mate of hers and uh, and I think she'll be doing some commentary as well and earlier in the day I caught up 
with Brad Carter felt and did a bit of a longer interview with him. He's a former ITU star and he's sort of making that transition across. Hasn't done heaps of Ironmans yet, I think he's done three or so and had reasonable results but not on par with what he's been able to do over Olympic and, and say half Ironmans. So if he can ride, you know, he, that dude can should be able to run with anybody. So we'll see how he goes. Bevan catches up with a bunch of the campers and uh, that's about it for today's show. Yeah, the other thing we did last night was did the run. Mm, the so, night run. So one thing they have is the night run, which goes from where was Hippelstein to Rote. So you start in the Hippelstein town centre, and it was uh, just over 11 k's, and you finish just as you enter into the expo area. And and it's a cool little thing. Like maybe a couple hundred people did it, and uh, it was a pretty casual run, but it was still mm. it was a beautiful little run, and it was quite cool because you run through this kind of nice forestry bits and you come out and there'd be some people on the street cheering you along so it was kind of a cool little event. It was very casual though we were running along and we were uh, maybe one or two k in and running past the train station people jumped off the train and they were joining in <laughs> and, uh, and so I pulled my pants down one <laughs> who was running behind me he said this is the underpants run isn't it and I, yeah, I Did you have showed him my buttocks That's right. and then we were coming towards the end and we seemed to be passing people that had must have joined in elsewhere which is all it's all a very casual fun run yep. so that was a big part of yesterday not everybody did it a lot of the guys on the camp did a, also did a bike 25k loop stopped somewhere and had lunch in a lovely little town and also one of the highlights for a lot of the athletes on the camp has been the swimming that we've been doing so we had some great open water swimming but also we've swum in these 50 metre pools that are, that are stainless steel and we had one in Regensburg the other day and we've also got one very close to our hotel in Nuremberg and uh Guys, I'm just loving them. 50 metre, stainless steel, just uh, they just feel really clean. The water feels awesome. So guys enjoyed that yesterday. Do they, do they have them anywhere else in the world? Like I've only heard of them ever being in here, hmm. in Germany. I've seen them in Italy. So oh, okay. Yeah, but um, certainly not in New Zealand or I've never seen one in Australia. Yeah. So yeah, that was t- um, yesterday. Today we've been down and swum on the course. So they only open up the course on, I think it's Friday and Saturday morning. It's a, it's an active canal, which means there's big, big um, boats going through there on a regular basis. So you do get disqualified if you go get caught going in there outside of the allocated times, which is uh, a bit of a common sense one anyway. It's had a little swim down there. It's, it's certainly not cold, but it's just a tickle colder than what we've had in some of the lakes. I guess because the water is a bit more moving than what it is there and then the rest of the day athletes will mainly be doing their own thing for training you guys know what it's like where today is Friday racing on Sunday so just getting into their own taper mode I'm going to be changing my tubulars over go out for a little spin later on and we've got a few other bits and bobs to do for, for the show Okay, so let's get into the interview. So I'm going to be putting on all the pros some of the more of the Camp Kiakaha interviews and we'll see you on the other side Righty-ho, we're, uh, the pro athletes have just come out of their briefings, so they know all what they can and can't do, and uh, very happy to have Brad Carterfelt here, former ITU star, he won Commonwealth Games, three times uh, ITU World Championship medalist, won lots of ITU titles, and more recently lots of 70.3 titles, so great success over the half iron distance and recently sort of started stepping up to, to the fulls. Um, so I guess my first question, you know, wh- why did you choose um, Rote when, the, you know, these days there's so much choice, you've got, got to, if you're going to figure out how you're going to get to Kona, you know, there's things like Frankfurt on, so what made you decide to come to Rote? Yeah, well it's a good question. Um, I'll try and uh, 
yeah, sort of take it from a long answer to a short, um, you know, as best as I can. But basically, yeah, but, you know, the focus this year was uh, to get to Kona, uh, like the last couple of years. But unfortunately, I got a, a tear in the labrum uh, in the hip. Um, you know, I'm in preparation for Port Ironman. I wanted to do Port and then uh, six weeks later I wanted to do Cairns again like last year. Um, I didn't automatically qualify last year in Cairns. I was four, so I just missed that. So I thought another opportunity uh, to go to another Ironman in Port six weeks before was a good one and back up and then uh, basically rest a little bit and then build up for Kona. But yeah, I got the um, hip problem just before it. Um, got a quarter zone to try and fix it, but um, look, I just didn't want to risk it. I couldn't really run that properly without limping, so I decided to uh, pull the pin on that, and unfortunately, cans as well. Um, you just got to look after your body. Um, you know, certainly I've been around a long time, and I think this one thing I've learnt over time is to uh, look after yourself, otherwise, it could be the whole season. So that's what I did put the feet up for a little bit and recover and just swim. Um, it actually worked well because the hips come good, and then at that point, uh, I decided to. Uh, you know, come to Roth. It's it's a bucket list race that I've always wanted to race. Uh, always enjoy racing in Germany. Um, Hamburg World Series and the ITU and 2007 World Championships is one of my favourite races out there in the world. And you know, I wanted to come to you know the biggest long course race in Germany. I think and very excited to be here. And um, yeah. It's, it's a great spot. So does that mean you know, Kona's going to be a bit of a bit of a stretch this year? With given you haven't got you know great points or anything like that. No, unfortunately, I've just got a 70.3 from China last year that I won, and um, you know a couple of other races. But I've chosen, you know, a few months ago that um, I just focus on on Roth and then then build up after this. But unfortunately, with the hip, it's just not possible to do a couple of Ironmans this year. You know, to back up after say a Frankfurt, which I would have been ready for. Um, you know, to back up for another preparation in Kona, it wasn't possible with the hip. You know, it requires surgery sort of later on, but. For the time being, it's actually hanging in there and it's going well. There's no pain or anything, but um, to push it for another preparation, Ironman preps, um, it's just pushing it too much and risking too much. So for this year, um, I'll just do Roth. And you know, later on in the season, after Kona, there might be an opportunity to do another Ironman. We'll see how the hip goes, but yeah, it all, all depends on that. So, what, what do sponsors and stuff say when you go can't go to Kona? Are they pretty understanding, or you know, how important is it for your sponsors? I mean, it's always important to do the big races, but um, and at the same time, it's they back me to do, you know, the full in Roth. It's it's one of the world's biggest um, long course races, and mm. as long as you keep getting results over the half, um, in the last few years since uh, London 2012, I've got those results in the halves. But um, yeah, obviously, everyone wants results in the full as well. Um, mm. I've only done couple of fulls really, Melbourne 2015 with the third at Asia Pacific and then Cairns last year Asia Pacific and, and yeah. I got fourth so I don't really have too much experience, they're still sort of building up there um, but you know it's not bad, It's I don't mind it but um, yeah, it takes time and you obviously got to manage yourself well with injuries, that's the biggest thing that I've found is just that training that you know, those long rides and long runs certainly knocks my body around a lot compared to short course and even the 70.3s. You know, training's a little bit different. Um, so body's slowly trying to adapt to that. And have you enjoyed the transition? You know, obviously in, in halves, it's almost like a double, well, it is a double Olympic in distance, but it's these days it's, it is pretty head-to-head racing, whereas Ironman can get a bit drawn out. Do you, do you miss that, that, you know, going into a sprint finish? I remember, I think you had a sprint finish one year at Des Moines with um, Gimmel and Whitfield and uh, Fredino maybe. I think I remember the four-way, four-way sprint there. Um, do you miss that sort of stuff or is it just different? 
Um, it's different. No doubt you miss it. Um, the ITU racing, you know, I was there for 15 years and racing the best guys in the world week in, mm. week out and French Grand Prix and German Bundesliga. And it, was, it was huge and I really enjoyed that time. But the good thing about this sport is you can certainly extend your career out by going long. And after London 2012, I decided to, um, you know, step it up to half Ironmans the following year and really build up and just to see if I like it and if I want to keep doing it, I, I did, I really enjoy it. And then, um, yeah, just decided a couple of years ago to do Melbourne, just because, mm. you know, giant space down there. Um, ASICS was a run leg sponsor in Oakley and mm. things like that. So all my sponsors are down there and it was a good opportunity to have a good race and I did and didn't mind it. Uh, it was a good little course, even though it's finished now, unfortunately, I'm in Melbourne, but um, yeah, went up to Cairns and it's a completely different course. And um, certainly they get good support um, in Australia, age specific championships and good crowds and things like that. So um, it's just different racing. So just a, just a little bit on your ITU career. You, you know, you mentioned the Bundesliga and French Grand Prix, and I think a lot of people don't understand what they're like. You know, you they see the ITU series and they probably think that's your racing for the season. You know, you go and do five or six races there, and they don't really, and especially in the English speaking world, we don't see the Bundesliga or or French Grand Prix. So maybe just explain a bit how that works for for yourself and especially for the Southern Hemisphere athletes. Yeah, look, I think it's a great opportunity, especially for these young juniors and under 23 to really cut their teeth in the you know, mm. the European circuit. Um, I'm a big believer in that and I think it's imperative for these young guys and especially older guys to, you know, you go head to head with someone like a Brownlee in a French Grand Prix mm. where they won't get the opportunity in a um, you know, bigger race, the World Championship Series in London or Leeds or Hamburg or something, they won't get that opportunity because they don't get the start. So. I think um, it certainly helps. Not everyone's fully tapered and rested up for it. Everyone's kind of on a similar level in their training where they rest up maybe on a Thursday or Friday and then Saturday or Sunday they, they go flat out then mm. fly back to your base that night and you're back into it. So you don't lose actually a lot. So they've got a lot going for them. Um, obviously the teams offer good contracts and um, some nice locations, but the fields are huge. I've raced some Grand Prix that have been over 100 starters, mm. you know, and the first boy might be, you know, 150 metres out, so they're absolutely chaos. It's yeah. it's good fun, it's good racing, um, and it's certainly a good training day as well, so I think it's great. You were Sartreville, were you? Um, no, I started out Vassoul, uh, I think, a long, Vassoul, yeah. a, a long time ago, and then um, Vondi, Sable Vondi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up racing with Paris Racing, um, yeah. you know, in that team from 2004 probably to 2010 or something. Yeah. Um, great team. Yeah. Um, Lagarde Air sort of bought that, obviously, and yeah. uh, it expanded. But um, unfortunately, yeah, the, that is, their main focus was on the world, you know, the ITU stuff, the, mm. the World Championship Series. And um, yeah, I re really enjoyed it. Spent a lot of time in Paris and, you know, maybe raced in France four or five times at least um, you know you might turn up a race midnight and yeah, then you race yeah. at like six or seven o'clock in the in the afternoon yeah. you, you know you finish a bit of drug testing and then you're straight back on the bus four or five hours to Paris landing arriving in Paris probably uh, three or four in the morning yeah. and then you got to train to your I mean, we base ourselves in Axe Le Bar down at yeah. Geneva or south of Geneva, and it's it's pretty big, yeah. pretty big trip. But I think it's worth it, and um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So, we're, so we're obviously at Challenge Road, you know, um, you're probably one of the better swimmers in the group in terms of Ironman side of things. 
how do you potentially anticipate how the race might pan out? You know, there's no Fredino this year. Um, you're going to have a few Uber cyclists, you know, Joe Skipper and um, Dougal Thilburn and stuff from, coming from behind. So how do you sort of anticipate the day might pan out? Yeah, look, there could be a bit of a front group. I mean, uh, Trenzo's here and uh, Niels and, and a few others. I think Tim Obracht, um, maybe it's his last race, so he's certainly going to be motivated to have a good day. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I'm up there in the swim and see what happens on the bike. It's been going quite well. Um, I've been based down in Switzerland, uh, training with my mate Rudy Wild and Ronnie Shieldneck and uh, really enjoyed it. So the training's been going quite well. The hip's holding up, mm. which is good. Um, yeah, so, so who knows? Um, haven't done the huge miles just because of the hip, but it's been pretty solid, uh, mm. close to a you know, one, one of the best Ironman preps that I've had. But, um, yeah, who knows? It's going to be a little bit hot as well. And mm, new, a new run course, so um, they tell me the new run course is pretty lumpy as well. So, um, but plenty of, plenty of crowd out there, you know. It's, I've just been walking through the village here in Roth and it's, it's incredible. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. And, um, you know, a lot of the athletes that come up from ITU distance, not a lot, but some, you know, have, have GI issues. You know, they're so used to not having to have nutrition during races, and I know that was one of Bevan Doherty's big issues. Um, you know, what, what do you do to fuel yourself during the day? Oh, look, you just got to stay on top of the gels and, and hydrate yourself, especially if it's up around 30 degrees um, halfway through the ride. Um, it's crucial to stay on top of the gels. You know, it's a it, it's a long day. It's an eight-hour event, or it could be longer, or mm. hopefully a little bit shorter. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. 7:35. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It really is. But um, you just got to stay on top of it. You really have to concentrate and even slow down at points certain points in the course to get nutrition in because you can probably skip a gel or two in a 70.3 but for Ironman it's um it's crucial to nail your nutrition and salt and stuff if it's if it's hot and if it's like this today you know it's it's 31 32 so mm -hmm. times I think would be incredibly quick like previous years who knows but um yeah, there's potential to blows is massive, I think. And how have you found the running? You know, you're going from running, uh, you know, sub three minute Ks to now running, you know, ballpark four minute Ks or a little bit under. Um, and I know some people say that's a real struggle. How have you sort of found running significantly slower uh, over the iron distance, especially coming off the bike? Do you use a watch or anything just to control things? Use the watts. The, the, the watch, um, uh, you know, watch, yeah. GPS. Yeah, I do, and I use the watch a lot for training as well. Um, all my key sessions are with the, you know, with a, with a Garmin. Um, so I certainly look at that. I don't really look at it too much in a half. You kind of go with the the pace in front and you know, racing the boys. But for Ironman, it's a little bit different. You got to, you can't go out too hard. Mm. Um, you know, it's funny when I was racing ITU, I used to warm up at pretty much my race pace yeah. you know I could warm up before a fart leak and you're cruising along at 350 to four minutes just yeah. talking yeah. and relaxing and you know before you sort of get down to that 245 250k pace for yeah. sort of 20 odd minutes at least so I've got a I guess a respect for these guys you know swapping over and getting off a bike and a swim you know it's you're probably at the five hour mark and yeah. To get off the bike and run consistently in three forty-five to four minutes is—it's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some guys that went sub two forty here last year on the old run course, but um, yeah, it's—I think it's—it's it's a new challenge. So you just got to try and pace yourself as best you can, be smart, get the nutrition in, and um, hopefully you come through at the end.
Any surprises since you've stepped up in terms of distance? You know, say you're thinking back to before you came across, anything surprised you or any tips if there's ITU athletes going, I want to give long course a crack, was there anything you've gone, holy shit, I wasn't ready for that, other than probably, I'd imagine you don't have any funding from Triathlon Australia or anything like that, so you're out on your own. Is there anything else that really, really surprised you? Um, yeah, not really. You're, as you said, uh, you know, as soon as you decide to go long course, you are by yourself, um, and I guess... You know, coming through and getting good results in IT, you kind of take it for granted a little bit that everything's covered, mm. all your medical, um, all your travel, food, all your combination and camps, everything's covered. So you really have to make that decision. You've got to, you know, just it's not an overnight decision. It, it takes, you know, it could take a year to slowly work out what, what you want to do, whether you finish in ITU. And for me, um, racing ITU in 15-year period was great. And... It's a good opportunity to, to come over at, at my age, which was um, at the time I think 34, 35. So the um, you know, days in ITU were kind of numbered at that yeah. point. You could go on a little bit, but once you switch over the long course and certainly focus on Ironman, it's very hard to go back these days. Maybe back in the past was possible, but now it's it's tough. You know, to, you know, as you said, you're running 350k pace to four minutes back to. 250 um, and swimming hard and biking hard so it's it's completely different but yeah just take your time um. There's obviously one person that can make seem to make the transition at least from half back to Olympic distance Alistair Brownlee, what do, you, do you think he could smash, he can obviously smash it at a half but do you think he can make it um, at Ironman or what are your sort of impressions of him in terms of uh, durability over eight, eight or eight-ish hours? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, he's capable of anything. Um, Alistair, he's an incredible athlete. And, um, you know, the way he's been riding at these 70.3s and winning some big ones, he's only done a few. Um, it's been incredible. And I think some people, the long course guys, are probably quite surprised with the way the way he rode, yeah. um, especially in Utah. And, look, I've spoken to some guys who used to train with him. They just said he's... Um, incredible athlete and so so strong probably the strongest cyclist they've actually ever trained with and they've trained with some pro cyclists and stuff and obviously yeah. he lives in the, the hills um, yeah. and trains there with Johnny and they push each other and yeah. um, but who knows he could come through and he could you know perform quite well I think so and if, um, if people want to follow your progress or your lovely wife Radka's progress you know what's uh, what's the best way to, to follow you guys oh look social media um, at sticks even Twitter uh, I've got a website now, bkrcoaching.com or um, yeah, bradcarliford.com, Instagram, Stixie one I think it is. But, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to follow these days. Yeah. you just got to Google it, I think. But, um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. I'll go out there and kick some ass at the weekend and uh, do it for Australia. Thank you very much. OK, I've got uh, Kiwi, a.k.a. German, today. <laughs> You've got your ladder husband on. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah it's... Uh, it's been a rough last six weeks or so. I, I left New Zealand, um, headed up to the Challenge Championships in Samarin, and the morning before I flew out, I actually went running and my, my foot started hurting. Oh, uh, I didn't think much of it, but got, got to Slovakia and wasn't actually able to do any running. Uh, I had to pull out of the race and had, a, had an MRI, ultrasound, um, basically a, a bone edema on my calcaneus which stopped me from running for three weeks, which is not ideal preparation for an Ironman, but yeah. I, um, I was in, yeah, booked to be in Girona in, in Spain doing a training camp there with Jan and, and Nick Castellan, and I uh, just gave that a good crack, uh, pushed the swimming, pushed the biking, doing, doing tour days on the bike, which I've never done before. And, um, What's it like? 
tour days? Yeah, pretty, uh, <laughs> really, really. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you go easy, but if you're doing, I mean, I was doing ATF, it's in the morning and up-tempo stuff in the afternoon. Yeah. And, and uh, we were having 30, 33 to 35 degree wow. days. Uh, Prepared you for this part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's good. I was, I was hoping that, that the heat was going to be here this weekend. Uh, it looks like it is. So. And, I, and I saw on Facebook you put a post up the other day. You did maybe two and a half hour run. Had a really strong run. So, so it's come through. Yeah, I got got a 30k run done 10 days ago. So yeah. a little little close to a full distance race than I would have usually done. But yeah. uh, legs were running legs were fresh and I managed to get through it. Yeah, pain free and uh, it's just good good confidence. The legs seem to absorb it really well. Um, yeah, ankles holding out pretty good. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend. It looks like a, it's a pretty interesting race this year because you know Frodo not being here, kind of he's been pretty dominant in the last 18 months, yep. or a couple of years. So, so this year, it's kind of like a it's a really interesting pro race for the men's, isn't it? Well, that that yeah, it open opens it up. I mean, pro, yeah, Jan last year went for going for the world record yeah. and, and smashing it pretty good. Um, this year, there's there's probably four or five guys that yeah. that could all of you have done similar times. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, give like it a good nudge. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see what happens out there. Yeah, you train a lot with Jan. What kind of tips does he give you for a race like this? Jan, it's like it's like pulling teeth with Jan. <laughs> oh, really? <No. laughs> Um, he's, he's actually getting in town later on today, so hopefully I can pick his brain a bit more. Um, the, yeah, the, the training camp was probably less than ideal for before both of us. I turned up injured, and, and as I turned up, his, uh, he actually got sick from, uh, from his son. So, so it was, uh, yeah, we didn't see much of each other for the first couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, got, got to hang out a bit, and, and it's always good training with him and Nick. It's yeah, good, good banter, and we train hard, we do, do the hard work, and uh, focus on getting ready for the next workout. Um, there's the the course here. You got the the punchy uphills. Um, for me, it's going to be important just to, I guess, be aware of them and not 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 go too hard up them, um, and just basically use the downhills a little bit better. Um, try and yeah, try and be conservative through the day. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, do, that goes okay. Do you okay. use power for for any reason, or is it all feel for you? No. Um, more power I probably should, should be a little more on feel but yeah and no, I'm uh, very very analytical when it comes to yeah what, what's coming out in the race and uh, try and try and stick to my numbers as, as good as I can you, you talk, oh, got John. a good sweat going there oh, so I vibe now it's, not, it's pretty hot here <laughs> you were black but you were just sweating being a coroner you know oh, just yeah, settling out hard life. No. Um, I, I want to ask Jan Fredino this question as well but I'll ask you Obviously, what we've had. Have for breakfast? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not stalking him. <laughs> the record time. Obviously, he has the fastest iron distance time over here, and the media and Ironman etc. have been saying all these world's fastest times when we know that Jan's obviously been quicker. Does that frustrate you guys that they can't really report it ac- accurately? What is the fastest time? Even though we know that all the courses are different and so on, does that frustrate you, or do you know if it frustrates Jan? Well, it doesn't frustrate me because I don't have either of them. <laughs> um, and I guess it's like it's like boxing as well. You have the different yeah. You have the different titles, different different um, yeah, different classifications, and and uh, hey, it's it gives more than one person the opportunity to have the the world record at once. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to say one or another. Chat challenge is different to Iron Man in a lot of ways, and. Um, yeah, I can't really say what it should be. Yeah, it really annoys the shit out of John. So the question I have is, challenge when you come to this race, they kind of put a lot of expectation on your, your time. They, they kind of expect you to be out in the public and stuff like that. Is that more expectation than what you normally experience at a race? 
Well, up until a couple of hours ago, I thought it was going to be less because I actually hadn't got the email oh. <laughs> with all the with all the, the gigs. And I was like, oh do. shit! Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it's like came through. And I'm like, oh, okay, sweet, cool. So I got no time to myself today. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been been a, t- today. Usually, leading into big races, and and when they, I mean, this this race is, is really good. They they look after you quite well, and mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a fun thing to be a part of. Uh, my wife back home, she she's actually feeding. The, I left home, so it was four. I left the the homestay at four thirty, which is two thirty in the morning, and she was up feeding feeding Zaya. And she's like, make sure you get a photo. I want to see a photo of you in your uh, in your later house. And, and uh, yeah, so it's this this is kind of fun part of it. Uh, you have the the kind of the more uh, just going through the motion stuff, like the briefing, uh, press conference, um, just that yeah, those meet and greet things that that just just slowly add up. But it's it's all part of it, and and uh, it just makes your day as well when you when you go to one of those things and you actually have a, a true fan that that's into it and really appreciate you coming along. So it makes it a little more worthwhile. You um you've had a baby recently. How does how does it change or or what you know? Because you're saying before we push record, you've been away for five weeks. How do you manage that? Tell you what, when uh, when we first had Zaya, it, I I actually told Kelly, "No, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. Two two kids isn't going to be that much of a change," and uh, it was a big change. Really, really. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, I found it really hard to just life changing, and found found it really hard to get out the door and and get motivated to train. And that's that's kind of weird for me. Uh, but uh, three three weeks in, and that that whole perspective just. Took a 180, and and uh, I was motivated to get out there and, and take on the world. And uh, it's been a very slow start to the year, so hopefully we can finish off like last year and uh, bring bring it forward a couple months. So I'm racing well at the World Champs and stuff. Got to let this man out of the heat. He's, he's just, just one thing. What happens after this for you? Is, it, is what, what kind of the rest of the year? I'm gonna head home. Uh, cause we've got four days on the beach in Fiji with the family. Nice. So hopefully the kids still recognise me. <laughs> and then. Um, after that, ITU Long Course World Champs. Oh, good so I've always wanted. Well, I've done it done it once before. I've uh, kind of been aiming to stand on the start line the last couple of time, a couple of years, and just for other, some reason it hasn't happened. So, so that's going to be cool. It's in Penticton, Canada. Yeah. Which I uh, did a training camp there with Simon Whitfield way back in 2004, and uh, so that kind of brings back memories. Um, 70.3 World Champs, and of course Kona. Great. Well, good luck, mate. We'll be cheering you on. You're a Kiwi hope. And I hope you smack it out of the park, mate. Good luck on the weekend. Yeah, thanks. It's cool as well. It's pretty, pretty big Kiwi yeah, contingent. Cool, eh? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. We get some support and give each other, give each, each of us, uh, give all of us support out there. And there was a hucker last night on the on the challenge. What? Oh, I think there was a, just a random hucker got pulled out. Where you go, John? <laughs> hey, mate. Thanks. Too easy, mate. Awesome. Good luck. Right, we've got uh, another part of Team Kiwi here. There's people, we're at the um, Erdinger party and there's people in their fancy German outfits all over the place. Belinda Granger's next to me, but we've got fellow Kiwi and the Kiwis are taking over right this year. We've got Dougal Allen from Wanaka, winner of Challenge Wanaka and he also was saying he was a little incoherent last time we spoke, but he's in fine form now. So uh, how's it all going, Dougal? Good, mate. It's nice to be here. The Kiwis are probably all complaining about the cold and I'm standing here complaining about the 30-odd degrees we've got. So uh, summer is in rot and we're ready to race. Uh, and where, where have you been to prepare for this race? I've been in Noosa for the last oh, couple of months, actually. So, um, yeah, it's been a good climate and um, got the family there and that's where I'm heading back to after the race. And, uh, yeah, but I've been here since Saturday, so there's a good week there to adjust and um, get my head in the game. 
And how do you approach this race differently from Wanaka? You know, in Wanaka you can pretty much guarantee you're going to have a solo ride, but you know, chances are you can do your own race and you don't have to worry about others quite so much. Over here, it's going to be a different game. Um, have you approached your training any differently? Uh, I've, I've obviously the way you know you periodise your training at different parts of the year, things will be different. But um, to be honest, it's it's just uh, another race. I say that it's obviously going to be the biggest race of my career so far. But in a way, it's uh, I feel a bit less um, pressure and there's less tension there because I am removed from my normal kind of environment and I'm able to kind of hide a little bit more from you know the attention and things. So, I mean, I, I still race my own race, but I'll certainly have to be a lot more kind of responsive. I guess in this event where there's a lot more feet to swim on, a lot more happening on the bike and obviously in the run. So, what do you what do you think you'll swim here? I can't I can't recall. I know you had an improved swim yeah, in Wanaka, but what, what do you think you'll likely ballpark swim here? Uh, good question. I'm, I'm swimming 54s in my last couple of races. That I should go faster just because there's more feet here, you know, and, and, and less sighting needed and all those sorts of things. Um, swimming hasn't been actually all that ideal. I've had a cortisone injection in my shoulder and things lately, but um, but my times in the pool and things indicate I should be able to swim faster than 54. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question I have, often up this interview, what's with the outfit, mate? It's all yeah, black. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? This is local this is the latest Bavarian. Isn't it? Yeah, I really yeah, love it. It's a Kiwi song. Yeah, yeah. Kiwi song. Tight skinny jeans, and uh, <laughs> you got to wear them low, so you're almost on the butt crack. Yeah, and, uh, yeah John loves that. He does it every day, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Bavarian style. What I'm wearing. And uh, what about with the family? Like you said, you've been over in Noosa. You know, must, uh, have you brought the family over here, or are you on a solo gig for a while? Nah, solo gig. Well, I've got my um, brother-in-law Andy here, who does a bit of live coverage around these events. He's becoming famous in Taiwan. Yeah. He was doing some good live feeds oh, on really? the old Instagram. <laughs> so he's here. But no, that um, Amy and the kids are in Noosa, waiting for my return with the big paycheck. Yeah. Is, it, is it straight back, or do you stay in Europe for a little bit longer? Uh, we're here till midweek, basically, and then back to Noosa. Then what? Uh, good question. Potentially Ironman Sweden, but that's only six weeks away, so mm. we'll wait and see. I'm just, um, I'm definitely racing an adventure race in China with the Yushas and Sam Clark, um, so that'd be nice to kind of return to the roots, I guess, and refresh the mind. Yeah. Have, you, have you done much of that? Have you done much of the event? I know Ironman's been your focus over the last block, but you, I know you, and you did the Rebel, what is it called? Defiance. 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 Yeah. yeah. But is it much more multi sport than you? Probably not as much as I'd love to kind of, you know, it's, it's racing as a professional in this sport, you can't really yeah, take the piss, you've got to yeah. be fully all or nothing kind mm. of. But um, yeah, I think the timing worked and that I've never actually raced with the Ushers before, we've talked about it for years and it's just a kind of time of the year where I think I can probably get away with it. So. And what, what's the event? What's oh, it's a, a, adventure racing, stage racing in China is pretty big and uh, it's just another stage race in China essentially, yeah, it's a 24 hour type race so hopefully I've got the legs for a 35k run or something like that. I think you survived. It's actually mate. got a swim in it. There's oh, a swim in it, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Asha, well, Richard can swim okay. What about Alina? Yeah, uh, no. Toe rope. Right. In fact, <laughs> no, no. I don't even think she can put her face underwater, but, you know, Sam and Richard and I yeah. can all swim half decent, so we can put her on a tow line and maybe chuck her in a tyre tube That's or right. something. That's right, yeah. yeah. Get some um, shoulder, what are the little boys in yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think she's may have worn them before. Oh, really? Us. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, wow. Not, he's not joking. Oh, really? No. Oh, jeez. Um, training. What about you know how you're making this gig work? You've been at it a few years now. You've got landmark homes there on your top. You know, is it um, working out how you kind of wanted it to? 
Uh, well, it is in that I'm sort of living the life I always kind of dreamed of, I guess. Here I am in Germany and, um, you know, I'm seeing the world and I'm doing these events and if I wasn't training five or six hours, you know, a day, well, that's a big lie, actually, that's a big day for me. Yeah. Let's say two or three hours a day, I'd probably be driving my wife insane. So I'm getting to do all that and certainly with Landmark Home, Central Otago coming on board, it, it helps kind of me feed the kids and the wife and, uh, and get to places like Germany. So, yeah, I'm living the dream, mate. Eh? Mm, good on you, man. Good on you. Um, what else should I have been? Uh, homestay over here? Tell us about the Yona homestay. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, we're staying with um, a couple, Thomas and Petra, with their family there. We're about 10k out of town, and uh, I'm pretty sure I've talked her into Challenge Wanaka, and, <laughs> and I'm working on Bill now to give her a free entry. So, nice. um, you know, I'm trying to do something in return because they've just gone out of their way for us, and, and actually, it's, you know, in a way, it's been a success already just in meeting people like them and, and experiencing the local kind of way of doing it. It is the cool thing about this race, isn't it? That kind of sense of you are a part of your community yeah. when you're, you're not just in a hotel room, you are kind of exactly. living, living your life. Absolutely, you? it's yeah. been fantastic. They have said if I want to stay with them again next year, I need a podium. But um, yeah, we'll see. Is it at all intimidating for you? You know, you've done Wanaka. You've had some some reasonable good names down there. You've been, I think, you did Ironman Sweden. Now you're here, and there's a few more rock stars in terms of top ten kind of guys. Yeah, Fredino's not racing. Is that sort of exciting for you, or you sort of do you feel like you? you I mean, we know you can compete with them, but how do you feel on the inside when you see these rock stars around you? Oh, you get these mood swings. This week, you know, there's times where I'm just on a high and so excited, and other times where I feel I'm out of my depth. But what I've never truly had in my race experiences is a real push to the finish line. And there's obviously been plenty of races I've been beaten in, but I'm I'm pretty sure with this race, you're going to have to work so hard for 42k in that run. And uh, in my experience winning and also coming second and third and, and further back, there's always been quite reasonable gaps by the sort of 30k mark in the run. And uh, I've run two 2.52 marathons, that's my best run, but in both cases I've had about eight minutes on the person behind me. Mm. So what's exciting in a field like this and in an event like this and on a run course like this is I could really explore my kind of marathon potential and uh, mm. if I can stay headstrong I think certainly a sub 252 would be very reasonable given how hard I'll have to push right through. Awesome. With, with Challenge Wanaka changing to a half next year, how does that change your season? Because I, I imagine, you know, up until this point in time, A goals Wanaka and then, you know, obviously more after that but it's pretty early on in your year. How does it change your season now that it's a half? Oh, it definitely changes it and, um, you know, I've, I've sort of had time to think about it and reflect on the decision and it, the decision's been made. And, um, I'm sure you're a bit gutted. Yeah, well, in a way it's like this kind of lost opportunity where I could foresee a real opportunity to build a brand around mm. that race, so, mm. like Dylan McNeese has in a way. Um, but in a way too, I sort of think, well, that's that's almost a known pathway and, and now that's kind of been taken away, I've got an opportunity to look at other ways to kind of push myself forward in the sport so I'll definitely be there and I'll yeah. certainly race the half as a pro and um, and that'll be an experience in itself but my strength is certainly in the long distance races so I've got some decisions to make and, and as I say I'm actually looking at it um, glass half full the decision's been made let's get excited and find other ways to kind of formulate a season plan mm, great. awesome we've got uh, two Kiwis yeah, it's great. cranking it here plus yeah. a bunch of age groupers and, and so. two Kiwis that can win it you know like exactly. it's just what I love about well you know like it's uh, the male field this year is it's really interesting because you know you can't say oh this guy's the winner and then everyone else is playing for yeah. second it's like anyone on their day 
you know, so Absolutely. good luck, mate. Come on. Yeah, thanks. Kick some butt. Yeah, cheers. Oh, Kiwi's up there, mate. Kiwi's up there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> She's not racing this weekend, but Michelle, oh, oh. I always get your name wrong. Vestibu? Vestibu. Vestibu, yeah. yeah. You'll give me that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Vestibu, that's fine. So you did, you did Austria last weekend. Uh, didn't quite go your way, but tell us about your day. Yeah, I still ended up on the podium. I was leading the race after the swim, after the bike, and halfway through the run, and then I got catched by fastest runners. So <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I tried to smile and be happy and say, hey, it's good, but I wanted to have won that race. And yeah. I think if there was a bigger gap for the age group men, I would also have won. Really? And that's that's the problem we see around in the Ironman circle right now, that we need a bigger gap for the pro women. So now, What kind of gap would you want? I would like, like just like Kona. It's 25 minutes, and it's actually a fair race. So... Mm. That would be easy just to copy that to the rest of the world, I think, but um, it seems harder than it is. It's when you have so many athletes, and it's great that there are so many athletes racing, but but still, we also want it fair because it's our profession, it's our job, it's our passion, so in that way, it would be nicer that it was fair, you know? And that's also why, despite being on the podium and everyone is saying congratulations, it's still like, ah, I wanted more, I'm a competitive person, mm. even though I'm smiling. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, you're always smiling. I, yeah, I yeah. always <laughs> want to win. I was also high-fiving on the bike course out there, never seen before, they said, but just, I really was trying to get energy of the audience there, so. How, how long does it take you to recover from a race? So, you know, today is, what's today, Thursday? You raced on Sunday. Yeah. You know, how, how are you feeling now? And, and what do you do the week after the race? I'm actually feeling quite good right now. I'm just like I'm trying to convince my coach to do another Ironman before Kona right oh, now. Really? Just because I want some more confidence into the legs and to the body. But um, yeah, normally I would use a week not training. But yesterday I wanted to show one of the other pro girls, a Danish girl, the bike course. And we got lost and we did 90k. Don't Oh, look, don't, you didn't hear that? <laughs> I, I think I said 40 to him. So I actually had to relax until Friday and then get started again. So... Um, and what are, you, what are you doing here then? Are you doing a bit of, we've heard your commentary before, is that what you're doing or what, why are you here? I'm actually just here to have a little bit of holiday. Uh, I have my homestay family here. I've been here for the last three years and I'm actually signed up for a race for the junior challenge on Saturday where the homestay girl, she's 16, she will swim and I have to bike the 10k and then the boy, he's 18, he will run. So I'm just here to hang out and do some sponsor obligation. When you're because you just go, in your face. Yeah, exactly. I'm like considering right now for the junior challenge if I should come with disc wheels and aero yeah. helmet or if I should be more nice we will see I probably just go all in you know yeah so um, yeah a bit of commentating live on uh, on Saturday as well so um, probably G- German or English uh, probably English yeah my German is, is nicht sehr gut nicht sehr night, night. and what's your predictions for the guys race and the girls race okay for the girls race it's it would be weird if Daniela is not pulling it off, but I'm also thinking that the, uh, Heather Vertel, she could do a really good job here. I cannot wait to see her racing outside of Kona now with focus here. I think that she will be hard to beat. I think she will kill this bike course. So mm. I do think that Daniela should watch her back with that girl. So, But uh, some strong girls. You also have the local hero, Yvonne. She's been racing here many years, so she knows everything here, and they shouldn't count her out at all either. So, yeah, it would be interesting. And, and do you keep much an eye on the boys race and if so what are you thinking is going to happen there uh, I've been looking a bit to the boys race I think Nils is he's always strong on this course and have um, some hometown uh, favorite 
role. Um, but also Joe Skipper, he's always the black horse here. He did an awesome run last yeah. year and, you know, was second run-up. So, and I've just been talking to him and he's like this goofy English guy, you know, he yeah. just he just bump into people. Yeah. And, and I really hope that he will do a good race. He has some bad luck during the year. So, um, yeah, let's see what he can do. So, also an interesting field. You have uh, Toronto, he's always a, a strong competitor and probably also the guy to beat here. But, yeah, let's see. Awesome. We'll kick some out in Kona later in the year. Yeah, Bevan's always got one final question. What's the plan for the rest of the year? So obviously, yeah. maybe race, maybe not race, but Kona, Kona's the goal? Yeah, yeah, Kona's the goal. I already qualified in uh, Cozumel oh, after, in November, so I would think I was the first girl to qualify. So I couldn't relax, and that was why I wanted to do Austria in a fast time. But not coming with the confidence I really wanted from the race, I'm trying to convince uh, my coach maybe the, to do Ironman Copenhagen on home soil. Just on 85%, I say. Sure. But but I'm much better on the full distance than on the half. Yeah. So, um, yeah, going into Kona with a victory on home soil, I think think that that will make it awesome. When, when, when's, when is it? It's uh, in August, mid of Ooh. August. So six weeks out of Kona. But I did win it in 15 and was fourth in Kona. Ah. So it couldn't work. And this year I just want to move a step up on the podium, of course, in Kona. So, uh, yeah, why not? Listen up, coach. Yeah, Let it race. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I sent him a message today because he didn't reply me on my first one. I said, Luke, do you still love me? And he was like, it sounds good, uh, but... The feeling is not quite there, so I will wait to reply back to you, Michelle. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I will look forward to well, seeing you in Kona. You're on the, on the start line. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Cool. I think that's uh, we, 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 we did a bike ride the other day, and this, yeah. this young, young lady next to us, her name came up. I, I heard it before I saw her. And, <laughs> and, and, and the common theme was bloody good athlete, but God, the girl could talk. Oh, I'm quiet these days. Too much of this. Too much of this and not oh, enough of this. Belinda Granger, so you're saying alcohol actually makes you talk less? No, I would be fibbing, wouldn't I? That would be a big fat lie, I'd have to say. So what's, your, what's your job this weekend? My job, all right. Well, my main job is to follow the beautiful Victoria Murray Orr around um, with some social media work prior to the race on Sunday. And then on Sunday, my job is to follow the pro women and do all the Twitter updates for the pro women's race. So I don't have to worry about the men. Vix will take care of the men and I will be 100% solely focused on the women. How, so how will you transport yourself around the, the course? Uh, on the back of a, a, a big bloody motorbike. Right. Last year I was on a like a, I think a 1200cc BMW, which was pretty cool, mm. good fun, and they're really good. Obviously the motorbike riders here are, are amazing. Um, so yeah, I, we meet our part. We meet our partners. Gosh, we meet our motorbike riders on the Saturday afternoon, and then we spend all day on Sunday with them. It's pretty cool. But you're not, you you now have a role within Challenge. You're an athlete ambassador. I am. No, I'm actually not. I'm I for Challenge family. I'm the professional liaison so oh. I liaise between the pro athletes and the race directors and I think Challenge has something like 42, 43 races around the world now wow. so I can either work from the end of the race director who might say to me okay this is our budget can you find me X amount of professionals for, for our field for this year or I can work the opposite way uh, where the pro athletes can contact me saying hey Belinda I really want to do this race are you able to organise something for me and, th and that's exactly what I did this year for Heather and Trevor Wirtel who are doing their first season ever in Europe yeah. and um, they've already done quite a few challenge events and of course Heather's doing the race this weekend and they're um, doing some a few other events after this as well and so, loving it. So is it 
obviously beneficial for you kind of package up a deal, say, okay, why don't you come over and do Challenge Road? She did Hell Brun or whatever it was. And her, and her husband, husband did another one. She's yep. doing Iceland yep. as well, isn't They're she? They're both doing Iceland, yeah. yes. yes yeah, yes. so sort of trying to get that package deal. Yep, nice. exactly. And, and Challenge Family also have this European point score series at the mm. moment, so all the races in Europe go towards that. And uh, it's pretty good. I think if it, at the end of the year, I think they win something like 25,000 euro mm. if they win the overall point score. And of course, someone like Heather, Caliber of Health, Heather, mm. good yeah. chance of winning it. And the way Trevor's going as well, I mean, he's up there in the top three mm. also. So, yeah, on a personal level, how are you finding life post pro? Do you know, I know it sounds ridiculous. I, I do not miss racing. Yeah. I lo don't get me wrong, yeah. I love the sport. I, could, I still spend every inch of my life talking about the sport, working within the sport. So I love the sport of triathlon, um, all of it. But I do not miss the racing. I haven't ridden my bike in about six weeks at all. Mm. I still swim and I still I still swim keep squad. Fit, yeah. I still keep fit. I go to the gym and do F45. That's my new big thing now. Oh, the F45, I know, mate. I know, I <laughs> know. So I definitely still keep fit, otherwise I wouldn't be able to get myself and squish myself into this bloody doodle that I'm wearing. <laughs> I can barely breathe. Um, but I still love being a part of it. You know, going to the races and watching the women race and the men, and I suppose in a way I, I live vicariously through them. And, and when they have a good race, it feels like I've had a good race. I get to celebrate with them. But, oh, I'm too old and slow to be out there doing it myself. How many times did you win here? I only won, actually, only, I've raced it 10 times. I've podiumed a bunch of times, but I only won once in 2004. What, what are your memories of that? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's still my favourite trophy. You know, obviously you, you collect a load of trophies over your career. Well, I didn't. Did you? Did you? <laughs> did you? One or two. Yeah, one, yeah. I did get one recently. One recent, yeah, okay. Well, you, yeah. Oh, well, loads. <laughs> loads. But there's only, only one. Um, I said to Justin, I only want one of us, one each downstairs, other yeah. rescuing upstairs. So I said, you pick one of your favourites and I'll pick my favourite. My favourite is the Lion, which you win here in Challenge in Roth. Justin is hilarious. One is hilarious. He won a race out in the back of the boonies in LA one year and it was near the Mexican border. So his is like this long, excuse me. I, I, penis is what I think what you're implying. Yeah. It looks like a giant dildo. <laughs> and that's the one he chose to be downstairs for the world to see. I'm like, thank you very much, Justin. That's fantastic. Nice. <laughs> And so we're going to see some, um, I don't know if you're involved in it, we're going to see a few other announcements this week, which is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, what else the is, yet, not till tomorrow. What, what does the rest of the year sort of look like for you? Do you are you on the road most uh, of the time? Yeah, look, I, I still I still got quite a few races to go to. Uh, for Challenge, I'll be down at Challenge Shepparton. That's the next one, I think, mm -hmm. in Australia, that we're, we're starting to work on the pro field for that now. There's a stack of Challenge races I would love to go to, um, yeah. one of them being Challenge Sardinia. Yeah. Um, I've had a great, I've, lots of talks with the race organiser there and I've seen pictures and where the, where the pro athletes and the age group athletes actually stay there mm. in Forda Village, it's insane. And for me, racing was always, always not just about going to races to win them, it was going, I, I always picked destination first, so it was always about going somewhere that I wanted to see, where I wanted to travel to, explore afterwards. And, Italy, we've got quite a few races in Italy now and I would love to actually go and I've got to try and butter up the race directors and tell them they need me there, they need me. You add value, I am an <laughs> oh, investment. So, so question, a couple of questions, um, girls race, thoughts? Yeah, it's an interesting one, obviously everyone's going with Daniela and you'd be crazy not to, mm. she's, the, she's the greatest athlete in the world at the moment, over this distance. Um, you know, this year hasn't been without a few hiccups, which it's refreshing. Mm. I mean, I know Daniela probably wouldn't like me saying this, but it's refreshing, it shows that she's human and I think all, all athletes... You know, we push the boundaries every single day and sometimes we push a little too much and we end up with injuries, a few niggles, we end up sick. Um, so it's, I don't like to say it's nice to see Danielle, this side of Danielle, to show that she, she's not, not invincible. Um, and I'm sure she'll bounce back. I think she already has. But 
I don't think she'd probably be going into this race as fit as what she was or as race fit as she was this time last year, which, you know, the girls are crazy if they go in thinking, oh, well, I'm racing for second. So I'm hoping that the girls like Heather Wertel, Yvonne Van Fleck and um, even Laura Siddle, who's improved so much over the last couple of years, I hope they go in there giving themselves a fighting chance mm. because I think they need to, um, they definitely need to back themselves and it could be an interesting race. But, you know, on paper, I think Daniela probably still just because her swim and bike is so strong well, the boys race is, is the, probably the more interesting race mm. at least um, because there's no clear cut you no. know you know and and if, there's probably five six guys who on their day it's their race it. so it's gonna be pretty with your thoughts yeah look I, I think my my preferred favorite w- would still be Nils yeah. uh, he's won here before he had a fantastic race earlier this year in our uh, challenge South Africa uh, challenge excuse me Ironman South Africa um, where you know it was such a that was a great mm. race in itself against yeah. Ben Hoffman so I think He's the most overall athlete that we've got here. But to see Timo racing his last race, and Timo in his day was a phenomenal competitor, so he's going to have a lot of crowd support out there, so I think he could have a really good day. But then you, you throw Barda Nose into the picture too with a, an incredible run that he's got. So it's, it's going to be close. I think there's probably a handful that could take the win, but I, I think we'll see Nils cross in first place. Yeah, here we go. You all get the, what, what have we got, the accordion playing over here? It's all starting to kick off. This is where it starts to get serious, boys. Mate, the, the, the party is young. Watch out, Granger in the outfit, I tell you. And, of course, the most important thing of this weekend is not really the race on Sunday. It's a, it's a, it's a pre-event. The big, the big event's on the Monday night when we watch our race director and owner Felix Walshoffer do the table I've, I've seen him do it twice, oh. and God knows how he hasn't broken his legs. I don't understand. How he hasn't lost all his front teeth. It's unbelievable. He, because, so basically what happens is he, they line up all the tables, don't they? And everyone's a bit drunk by this stage. Just a little. Just a little. And he runs across the tables. Now, you'd think you'd be kind of tentative when you do it. He, he sprints, doesn't he? Sprints like he's running on a, on a tartan track, on an Olympic tartan track. It's insane. So, so I can't even watch. Watch out for Felix's legs later on in the year. Okay, Belinda, thanks, mate. Thanks, You're a star. Guys. Thank you. Awesome. Right, we're still at the Erdinger party and he hasn't got his Labour house and however you say it on because he's not uh, racing the, the full this year but he's on the comeback trail from injury. Dylan McNeese, welcome back to the show. Thanks John, good to see you and a bit of a surprise to be on but uh, it's good to, good to be on. So tell us a bit about what you've been doing the last sort of uh, six to nine months and, and your injury and, and how the comeback's going. Yeah, I had um, hip surgery on my right hip back in December. It was just a bit of an overuse injury, just been uh, grinding out some cartilage and done a bit of damage in there, so they had to go in and and clean that up. And, uh, yeah, the the comeback has been going good. Uh, The hip's feeling uh, really good, strong. Um, I've had a month in California training and did a couple of little Olympic distance races, and uh, they were good. And then last weekend I raced in Belgium, my first half-distance pro race. So I uh, ended up fourth, which is good. You know, it's one off the podium, which is always annoying. But um, all in all, everything worked, and, um, yeah, I was pretty happy. So everything's going well. What's the plan for the rest of the year? Uh, lots of racing. Uh, <laughs> I'm racing in a team at, at Roth, here in Roth um, on Sunday doing the swim. Um, then I head to Rome in two weeks for a half distance. A week after that is Challenge Prague for a half distance. Two weeks after that is Finland for a half distance. Two weeks after that is uh, three weeks after that is Otolo World Swim Run maybe with uh, Mike Phillips. Then maybe Almere full distance and Madrid full distance. So busy. Crikey, Dick. With the um, Otello, is I don't know. Is there any prize money or anything in that? There is. It's it's not really the reason to do it. It's not. Um, if you win, it might be three or four grand, you Kiwi each kind of thing. Um, but just 
it just looks awesome and it's a good chance to uh, this this year after injury I sort of have a bit more freedom so um, I figured why not go and have a crack. Um, and why did you come back to Rote? Uh, the girlfriend's racing this weekend, so uh, it's a good chance for me to support her after she supported me uh, so often. And uh, I, I don't know if I'd ever get the chance to come back and actually be on the other side of the fence. You know, I want to come back and race. So, uh, yeah, like I say, it was a good chance to come and support Annabelle, but also just be on the other side of the fence and, um, you know, soak up the atmosphere and have a few beers on the sideline and cheer people on. What was your experience here last year? From memory, you didn't have a, a great race, but in terms of the actual experience and how did it differ from where you raced elsewhere? Um, it's obviously just incredible. You, you really have to come here to experience it. Um, I would say the last time I'd come here was the first year I started racing full distances in 2013. So I'd won Wanaka, I'd won Taiwan. I kind of came here with what I felt a bit of pressure and I was really focused and you know, I didn't really come here to enjoy it, which I wish I had. So uh, if I come back, it'll be more about soaking it up and um, having a look around rather than being so sort of tunnel visioned, you know. So, um, yeah, but it is just an incredible race. And this week, it looks like the weather's been really put on. So it's going to be a great week. And uh, what's your prediction for the score this weekend for the Lions playing the All Blacks? Well, have you found anywhere to watch it? I haven't, to be honest. I've been in America, which, you know, you just don't don't even hear about rugby. Um, but I would say after last weekend, the All Blacks are going to come out firing, and it's... I'm not going to say it's going to be hiding, but it's going to be a lot... I am. It's going to be a hiding, you poms. <laughs> it's going to be a bit more clear-cut, yeah, than last, last time. Fantastic. Oh, we look forward to seeing your progress through the year. Thanks, John. Cheers. Test, 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 test. Okay, we've got Joe Skipper. We were meant to have a meeting from yesterday, weren't we, John? We did. We, we, for a change, we would have been on time, would have been all sorted. What happened? I, I, I missed my flight. <laughs> I knew you guys were going to bring it up. But, yeah, everyone listening to it will be like, God, I know there's some drama that's going to happen. But that was totally my fault. I, I thought it was 9.50. Um, so we went to get to the airport because it was like the local airport, Norwich, really small. Like there's, you know, one or two domestic, like one or two flights a day that go from there, that kind of thing. Um, so we got to the airport thinking it was a 9.50 flight, only to get there and realise it was a 9.20 flight and we missed the check, like the check-in closure by like eight minutes. Oh no. Yeah, it was really frustrating because you could see all the people who were on our flight literally like 40 metres away, just the other side of some glass. And the plane wasn't even there. They were all just sat there like, you know, and we said like, can we go through? And they said, oh, have you done online check-in? You can go through. We didn't have any bags to check on, you know, it was just hand luggage what we were taking here because my bike went with um, Raceforce. So it, it was so frustrating. So in the end, I had to book a, uh, a flight from another airport and get my dad to like uh, oh, no. to take me and Laura. <laughs> no. And, you know, last year here, your second place, you run course record holder. What would you run? 238. 238. Wow. With, with a toilet stop as well. Wow. And, was a, and I heard it was a 10-minute toilet stop, so unbelievable. <laughs> You're renowned as more of a biker than a runner. I know you had an awesome run at Ironman New Zealand as well, but was that surprising for you to be able to run that fast? Um, yeah, to, to, to execute it was, but like I knew I was always possible. It was possible because you see from training, don't you, what kind of times you're hitting and like six minute mile and like even with when we do like like off the bike is really easy. Um, but it's just all it's just like you know to actually do it in a race like in race situation was really uh, really happy. So, so maybe just talk us through that run last year because what what position were you off the bike in? 
Oh, it's well done, mate. No, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> but you, you kick in pretty quickly. You felt pretty good straight away, or I felt terrible at the start. Honestly, it was probably one of the worst I felt. Like you, I, like normally when when you get off the bike, sometimes you feel awesome, don't you? And you're having to slow yourself down. But I got off the bike with Cyril, and I felt horrific. Like I could, I was bare, I was struggling to keep up. And I was, I was re- all I wanted to do last year was go sub eight hours. And I'd seen the time. Like I knew from the swim because I'd set my. Um, like Garmin to like beep on the swim every 25 minutes and I thought 50 minutes I wanted to be out and obviously when I was swimming I felt it vibrate and I was like oh shit like you know like I was meant to be out the water like, if I was on schedule and then on bike on the bike course because everyone says it's a drag strip don't they on the bike but when you actually ride around the course it's actually quite a lot of climbing it's not like what what you think is it and I had an idea from like doing a bit of wrecking that it was quite hilly but you always see the times that everyone's doing you think well it must be quick that like you know but but doing it, I was a lot slower than what I was anticipating to be from like the times that I'd seen other people do. So I was like, well down on my schedule. I think the slowest I wanted to do on the bike was like 4:20, and I wanted to swim like 50 minutes, you know. And I ended up getting off the bike in 4:21, I think, but swimming 52 something. So I was like three and a bit minutes down. So I just thought it was like game over, you know. And I was I got off the run, tried running with Cyril, and I think we we're running. Did around six minutes for the first mile, which, you know, I've done loads of times, but it felt hard, you know, it felt harder than what it, it didn't feel comfortable, it felt hard, and then I thought, oh, I'm going to have to, after the second mile, I thought, oh, my, my tummy doesn't feel too good, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to stop, <laughs> so I, like, literally had to get some people on the bike, to, like, undo my tri suit, you know, like, help me, like, get, you know, one of them skin suits to get it off my shoulders, because I couldn't, I wouldn't have got, been able to go, you know, otherwise, like, jump into the forest, go and I don't know if like my adrenaline was like went after that or but something something changed after that and then as soon as I started I was running like 555s for, for, for ages I think or six minute under six minute miling for like you know a good 15 18 a good, good like 16 miles or so after that and it felt easy but like up until I stopped though I felt really bad but I don't know if it was adrenaline or what it was or maybe I was trying to I was focusing too much on trying to keep up with the guy who I was running with rather than like doing my own thing because when he went he was miles ahead so I stopped for that minute and uh, uh, no one was behind me so I could con- get into my own rhythm then couldn't I? I I mean I don't know why but yeah I just kept ticking them off really and then uh, I, I, I think Nils might have been able to stay away but um, I knew that I was getting close to him because I couldn't see him but I knew that I could see his like fan club or whatever they were oh, oh really because yeah. he gives everyone your stuff doesn't he yeah and like they were getting splits and stuff on the bike but they looked really worried like they were getting they looked like they were getting worried so I was like well I must be cat I must be getting close to him because he looks like he's shitting himself you know like and then uh, but I had no idea until if he had done that like but when I saw when I saw that and then like some of the like Brits that were on the way out were saying you can catch him like he looks terrible <laughs> and stuff so that like gave me a boost and then going through the town I just caught a glimpse of him like when you were on the cobbles like just like in there he must have been about how far, how far from the end from the how far that from the close, end mate that was like last mile when I saw oh, him really? yeah like and he was about eight, 70 80 meters ahead like I literally just caught a glimpse of him and I probably caught him with a guy okay to go something like that just under but I didn't know what to do when I caught him because I thought you know do you go past hard and then like hope that he doesn't come with you, you know, or do, do you run with him and think like, you know, I'll uh, take my chances in the sprint finish with it, with him, you know. But in the end, I thought I'm gonna. I slowed down a bit as I as I caught up to him, and then I pushed through, you know, like up the pace and just like just didn't uh, just thought I can't look I can't look to see what he's like because he'll try and stay with me. And then luckily I just had a glimpse just as we went into the stadium and I couldn't see him, but I was I wasn't sure how far he was because can't hear nothing, can you? Because everyone's no. going mental, aren't they? <laughs> what was it like when you got to the finish line then? Oh, it was brilliant. Like yeah. to go under eight hours and to get second place was like uh, awesome like and run course record because it's not this race has had the legends 
you know, the Ceres is yeah. all the great runners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that was good to get to get that. But the main thing for me that last year was just to go to be the because no other Brit at that, up until that point had gone under eight hours, and that was something I wanted to do was just to be to be the first. Then now I've done that, like. It, I want to just go for a decent position, you know, like a, fit, a good finishing position. But last year to get second and do that, I was like over the moon. Um, did it change life much for you after that in terms of maybe getting a few more sponsors? Obviously, you get a bit of prize money. Was was there much of a reaction from it? Um, I get a lot, not so much from sponsors, but you know, like from normal like people and stuff like that. Like you know, when you go to a race from like British other British triathletes, you get I get a lot and stuff like that and from some sponsors of mine that weren't like in the sport you know so much like because obviously you can say that you're a british record holder can't you it's a really good thing to say isn't it like um but not so much from like new sponsors really um my, my current sponsor were like really happy and like all sent me thing like zone 3 did like made some like custom run tops up which like had like seven hours 56 on it and stuff like that and like a certain style so loads of us like who train together and stuff have got like some of the t-shirts and that so that's pretty cool um but the, to be honest the best the best one for me for getting sponsors was probably kona 2015 i only got 13th place but uh, maybe it's because of my it was my first time there and i like did most of the race by, by myself but you know after that that was that was the best race for me for getting sponsors despite not getting in the top 10 so yeah and since this time last year it's been looks like it's been a bit of a rocky road with some some bad luck along the way and maybe just talk us through how the, the last 12 months have been yeah they've been like terrible you know like literally <laughs> since basically since this race last year they've been terrible um i'm trying to think what i had i did i got food poisoning in regensburg after this um which like messed that one up and then kona um i just went too hard on the bike really and to be honest i don't i think the thing with me is if i do a july ironman i don't think that i like if i have a break afterwards you know like a mid-season break like because i've targeted obviously like a july ironman really well and you know you're absolutely ping and you just want to have like you know a week or two to just go on holiday and chill out i can't I, I find that i don't have enough time to get into like really good fitness that i was in july in october like that's what i found now over the last couple of years and I think going into Kona last year, last time, I wasn't in as good a shape as what I was in July or as what I would have needed to be in to get a really good result. Like my swim was better and I had a, had a good swim, but on the bike, I think I was just lacking a bit, but I went, I went with the pace and it was just too, it was just too hard really in hindsight, you know. I, we, we got to have been like a stone's throw, literally the lead, lead group, you could see them like 150, 200 meters, but I was just like, I was on the limit really then. And then I, and then like, I just felt terrible when the wheels come off. But if I was like a bit quicker, you know, if I was a bit fitter I'd have been able to hold on a bit you know so it's just you're not talking massive months if I'd have been a minute quicker on the swim well I'd have been with Keenly and we didn't catch him until the airport but like obviously if you're catching him a minute out of him in the first 15 miles of the bike you've obviously gone really hard haven't you you know um, but it's hard not also I learned that it's hard not to get caught up in it you know in that race everyone's going flat out aren't they and you know now like looking back there's certain people every year who go there who blow up <laughs> and you talk to them before the race and kind of like because obviously you want to try and get if you if there's a few of you that are swimming together you know you want to kind of get a bit of a game plan don't you yeah. but when the when the flag drops they don't they don't <laughs> even remember what they said to you like they, they just go full, full gas you know and just and the wheels come off and if you get caught up in that what i did last yeah. time that was it you know it was game over your, your post-race interview in kona was absolute cold because you were just blottoed and yeah you, you, you it was one of my highlights of kona last year was your interview post-race because you were like i've just i just went too fucking hard <laughs> yeah i did I, I really regretted that like and if i i'm gonna go back again not this year 
but like next year I'm going to go back and I'm going to like aim to qualify like pretty early and not do a July at Man. Oh, okay. you, you so know, you're not racing this year. No, I'm not definitely not doing it this year. You know, like after Texas, I was I was 50-50 to be honest before Texas. Um, but then after that, I thought no, I'm not going to chase points. You know, I've been there twice now. Like if I go there, I want to get a decent result, not mm. get make numbers up. Mm. Um, so uh, next, but next year I'm going to aim to go and like do it justice. You know, like I've got an idea of how to race it you, to get my my best result myself. You know, and I'll do that. But like as you were saying, with the other results though, what I've had. Um, March, April, I did South Africa and just felt shit really. Like, you know, that's the only way to describe it. Like, I just didn't, it was just one of them days where you just start off and, you know, I could tell within the first 400 meters of the swim, I felt, I just felt like I was just flat, you know, didn't have anything in me. I was at altitude before that and saying that the same thing happened, you know, when I came back from altitude before, like the previous year for like three or four weeks so I would never go to altitude again like I really? yeah I got you know I got my blood tested and everything and it made me anemic after going there oh, really? yeah it, made, it really it really reacted badly like my, my hemoglobin dropped to like 10 I think something like that yeah like well under average like under average levels I felt tired all the time honestly it was like I'd uh, I would like fatigue or something like it was it was horrible uh, but it only hit it seems like it only hits me when I come back to, to sea level you know like I, I kind of feel that feel all right when I'm out there I come back to sea level feel like absolute ter- like rubbish yeah like apparently Apparently some people it works really well for, some people it doesn't. I think maybe I don't. Like, I've tried it twice now and uh, hasn't really done it. So um, yeah, so I felt terrible for South Africa. Texas, I felt awesome. Like caught the group like after up 45 miles uh, on the bike, which for me is like unheard of. You know, norm- you know what it's like. Normally I'm like running them down, aren't I? And it's just whether or not I catch them at the end. So to get to get into a good position at 40, 45, I thought yes, in with a chance here. Um, I literally went through the group and I was like in third, I put a bit of distance, put a bit of time in between the others and I punctured at like 62 miles and in the, all the briefing, like all the uh, pre-race like talk, said there was going to be neutral service following us the whole time and there was when we caught the group, big transit van and a couple of motorbikes but then they took, they, they instead of doing the second lap they came off the course after the first lap and they were supposed to be there for the second lap you know, if I'd have punched four miles before I'd have got a new wheel I'd have only been like, you know, it'd been 20, I'd lost 25 seconds, something like that, 30 seconds so yeah, couldn't get a wheel, waited there for half an hour and then, you know, my motivation was just so, so down after that, I was absolutely devastated um, and then yeah, went on to Salou and uh, I got I was got a chest infection two weeks before that. <laughs> yeah, a tough year, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've never been on antibiotics in my life, you know. Like, first time I'd ever been on it. And I to, to be fair, I, pro- I probably shouldn't have done the race, but, you know, I'd literally paid everything just before I got just before I got it. You know, I'd booked my flights, I'd booked my accommodation. And then I did a few, like, train harder training sessions, even when I was on antibiotics. And to be fair, they did go, pre- like, you know, I didn't feel amazing, but I hit some really good times, you know, and, like, I was thinking, bloody hell, like, and I'm on antibiotics and I'm hitting, like, I'm hitting these times. I thought, you know, I could get away with it on the race, but race came and I just felt, just didn't have it. But then I did um, Denmark uh, after that, and I, I felt pretty good. Got fourth place. Uh, that was, like, that challenge European uh, half or whatever. Um, it was a minute off second, but I felt a lot better, and I felt like I was just lacking a bit of race fitness because, obviously, like, I haven't really done any proper racing, like, up until then. So that was a turning point. And then Heilbronn, I did that, and you you wouldn't believe what, what happened there. Uh, I, honestly, like, you know, <laughs> it seems like every race is some kind of drama. <laughs> but honestly, like, I pumped my tyres up before in transition, before, and... Uh, they're all good. Came out the swim and everyone was shouting at me, you've got a flat tyre, you've got a flat tyre. Like, like in German. And um, I stopped and uh, literally coming out of transition. And it was literally right on the rim, you know, like literally no PSI in it at all. So I managed to like 
persuade eventually a spectator standing there to give me his front wheel um, yeah, he, yeah he didn't want to uh, uh, was, but like we, we managed to persuade him so he gave me it and I managed to carry on like and do the race um, finish six it was an alright performance you know it was a bit disheartening because for me I had a good swim there as well um, which so I would have been like quite close and like it would have been a good it would have been like good to kind of be fairly close starting starting the bike but um, after that, it's kind of a bit of a blow, isn't it? When like you come out of transition and you're like, having to like talk someone into giving you a wheel. They're not going to borrow your wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so got got sixth place there, but like it was all right. I didn't I didn't feel like I'd push myself as hard as what I did in in Denmark because like I was in like quite a close race there. But following on from uh, Germany, when we got back, we checked the wheel pumped it up and it was absolutely fine left it for an hour and a half and my dad said like undo the valve and just see because you might have left the valve you know undone and it might have gradually leaked out so we had to undone the valve left it for about an hour while we were doing like some other stuff and it still held us pressure like fine mm. and then we tried to let the air out and the slime had like sealed the um, the valve so obviously someone's let the air out the slime sealed the valve and that you couldn't let any air out then when we tried to because so so we think that someone must have sabotaged it because oh, yeah. yeah because the slime couldn't wouldn't come out so obviously like they let it out the slime went to the where the valve was because it thought it was a puncture and then it's dried and when we've got back home like you know you can barely pump yeah. the wheel up i've used the wheel like since then like in training like four or five times i'm not going to use it for the race and put new tubs on but like you know before like up until it's been fine every time so we think someone sabotaged it and that day in the race in Canada, an age grouper, you probably heard about it in, in Canada. But I mean, what that's a low thing to do, isn't it? If someone did do that, you'd like to think that, that it was just a, a freak incident. Yeah. But you know, like how I don't, I can't explain explain how it went flat when the wheel's absolutely fine. There's no hole in it, and the slime sealed the valve. But and how's the preparation been for for this race? Well, yeah, the training's been going really well. Like, I can't complain. Like to be honest, since like March and April, I've been training really well. That's why it's quite disheartening to not get the uh, the results because you can see what numbers you're doing can't you you know I've, I've got like benchmarks on what I was doing before um Roth last year and, and all my and some other races and I can see what times I'm hitting running I'm, I'm, I'm right where I need to be to be honest I, I think I'm better so um yeah it should be all right <laughs> and just because you're not doing Kona this year what's the plan moving forward uh, I'm gonna do that challenge series like okay. the, that's why that's why I decided not to do it because they've got some really cool races like a lot of the halves, um, what they've been doing, like Heilbronn, like that, I had a really, it was a really good place. So, you know, obviously, despite what happened on my wheel and that, like the, it was right in the city centre. The run was around the city centre along the river. Later starts, you know, at 10, 11 o'clock starts. And that's what a lot of these halves are like. Start at 10 or 11 o'clock and you get a real good atmosphere. Like there's loads of people lining the swim courses. The bikes take you out and the transitions seem like they're right in the city centre. Yeah. And then the run goes around it. So it's like, they're awesome. Like the best races I've done for atmosphere. You know, you do an Ironman race. They start you at six o'clock in the morning. You're, you're on the run at like half eight or whatever and there's, there's no one there is there you know do a challenge race and you go and run, run around the city centre and there's like thousands of people lining the course also that European series what they've got is um, pretty decent prize money to be fair you know it's 25,000 euros if you can win it down to 5,000 for fifth so it's quite a nice thing to uh, to chase and I think there's a few of us like because we've been going obviously I've been going to a few of the halves now you see the same faces at them and it's, it's quite good having like little rivals rivalries you know like Trevor Wattel I've been like I've raced against him a couple of times in the halves recently. He's had the better of me at him, unfortunately. But like, it's quite good having them little. You know, it makes you want to like, to you know, I want to try and beat him because he's beat me twice, doesn't it? You know, it develops rivalries. But if more athletes start chasing like these series, then hopefully it will get a bit more prestige. You know, in like a couple of years' time, if you can get 20 athletes chasing a decent European series, it could it could grow massively. Just lastly, uh, uh, how's the modelling going? 
Oh, you patch on supermodel. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really model it like that, you know. Like they, <laughs> yeah, like I've got, a, I've got a clothing sponsor, Luke. Um, really uh, good casual clothes. Uh, you should check it out, Luke 1977. <laughs> but yeah, they give me some uh, cool clothes so I can look the best dressed on the podium when I get on there. Just lastly, uh, this weekend plan. Um, basically swim just you know smash it just literally what are you going to swim do you think roughly I'd love to swim like 50 minutes like that's my uh, that's my goal, goal that is that's what you swim isn't it we'll have a bit of a wager what did you, what well, did you swim last time I was here I did 48 and a half but I'm not in the same shape I'm thinking I'll be 50-51 ah we'll, have a, we'll put some money on it then do you, want to, do you want to put some money on it how much do you want to put on it are you at the party on Monday are you at the party yeah we'll be there alright we'll have a couple of beers on it then <laughs> you heard it here team you heard it here yeah. and then bike just um, I'll probably pace the bike to power to be honest because I think I basically I think for me on the bike I need to get from A to B as quick as possible efficiently as possible so I'm in the hunt at the start of the run you know like, I think if I, like, blitz it or I try and race the other people, you know, if I'm, like, getting out the swim and, like, say, I know I'm in 15th place or whatever or 12th place, there's no point in me racing them if I want to try and get a podium, is there? You know, even if, if I end up towing a few of them along to the to the front, then so be it. But I need to I need to get try and get within five minutes of the lead guy starting the run, really. That's what, that's what I've kind of, like, any more than that, and I'm going to have my work cut out and, like, I have to hope that something probably goes wrong. Even if I'm around five minutes, you know, if they, if Niels runs like what he can do and, like, Terenzo runs like he can do, you're gonna, it's going to be tough, isn't it? But I need to be with – five minutes would be good. I'll take that now. And then on the run, you just see what legs you got, don't you? Sometimes you feel good. Sometimes you feel bad. But you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> if you run like you did last year, you'll be in, yeah. yours in the bag. Hey, well, thanks for your time at your bloody start. Yeah. And uh, good luck for the race, thanks, Matt. guys. Yeah, we'll see you on the start line. Yeah, you know we Story, but Maury, Ruth, Brennan, Moray. We've got here. I was actually, Maury, Maury, as in story. Um, I was actually looking at all of the pro field this morning, and I was trying to identify a few pros I didn't know. And your name came up, and she was standing here with Torsten, so we've taken the opportunity. We're opportunists. That's what we are. And from from my memory, I thought she looks like she's got obviously some running pedigree. There was a sub three hour run there. There was a couple about about three hours. So tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, I am I uh, am from the U.S. and I grew up playing soccer, so I have plenty of miles in my legs. Played at my university and then um, uh, ran in the Olympic trials for the marathon in 2000. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I started triathlon, it was the run was always my strength. And um, yeah, I did a I think 302 in um, Germany in Frankfurt, and then a 301 in Chattanooga, and a recent 250 six or seven in Arizona. Yeah. And so what about when you did the Olympic trials? What, what did you get down to? Um, that was actually my third ever uh, marathon when I was 23 years old and it was a 248. So. Okay. so the run splits you're doing in Ironman are pretty impressive. And so what, um, so how, you know, you're racing now as a pro, are you working as well or are you a full-time pro? I'm a full-time pro and full-time mom, Yeah. three kids. Yeah. Age yep, 12, 9, and, or 12, 10, and 7. So how do you end up in Europe? Have you brought them with you? Well, I am probably one of the older athletes here, pro athletes here, and um, Challenge Roth was one of my bucket list races, and so um, yeah, I made the trip over here after, after actually watching it last year yeah. and committing myself a year in advance. So. 
Exactly. So you're saying you were out on the bike course today, you were thinking hopefully a 255, but now you're starting to think a 257 on the run, sorry, on the run course. Um, Just what's your approach to allow yourself to be able to run that fast? Like, obviously, you've got to get that bike right as well. So what's kind of your strategy for the day? Um, The strategy for the day is just keeping an an even uh, race all around. Um, it's It's very surprising, actually, that the that this course is as fast as it is, having just uh, driven the bike course and then driven the run course. It's just up and down the whole way, and especially the the run, um, a lot of false flats and a lot of very (laughs) non-flats, which are bigger hills. So um, yeah, my strategy is, uh, my strength is the bike and the run especially. That's where I do my chasing um, after after a slower swim. And so, yeah, keeping it consistent and, and um, just chasing all day. I just had another question, but I'm trying to think of it. Oh, so how, how, Torsten's ratings, how do, the, do they, <laughs> does, does he normally get them very accurate for you? Well, we were just talking about that, and I always have a bone to pick with Thorsten about my run because uh, my Kona um, 2015 threw it off a little bit, so I was a little bit angry with him. Um, but he know- takeaway one, the right to be forgotten, you know? <laughs> exactly. I want the, the outlier out of there. So, um, you know, I think, he, I think the ratings are fair, and that's the most important thing. They're, um, they are identify athletes by what their pro, what their um, strength races have been and what their weaknesses have been in the past, and mashes them all together um, to kind of give you a complete picture. Although there might be outliers that um, aren't explained by numbers, but uh, every race is different, and you can't get too caught up in just... Um, past numbers or, or ratings, but it is really helpful to see the ratings. So, so if you do have a perfect day, you're talking the run, but what about the whole day? What kind of number are you looking for there? I'm looking for a sub nine. Okay. I did a 902 at Arizona this last year and um, looking to break that nine. Fantastic. Another person that potentially could be giving me an ass slapping on the way through. Yeah, if you, if you see him, just a little tip, just a little no, you know. Here, here, he loves it. He loves it. Hey, good luck. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> it's, oh, it's John's birthday and he bought a bottle of water. I'm going to get my Euro refund back for returning the bottle. Your Euro refund if you return the bottle. John, it's, it's, it's quite cool, isn't it? It's very good. So we've been in the eating a party for, I don't know, a couple of hours or an hour and a half or so. And it's not really a party as such. It's more just a kind of like a beautiful night out with the, you know, kind of the German beer stalls. But all the pros are around, so plenty of access for anybody who wants to kind of turn up and hang out for the pros. And, and they're all very accessible, aren't they? Yeah, and, and that's the, the difference again with this race. And we're hearing it from all the pros as well as age groups. It just it does feel a bit different. And we're not trying to be cheesy just because we're here. No, no. Um, but yeah, anybody who gave a picture... Yeah. You see them over there, all our crew, I think we're pretty excited to go, you know, Mr. Renzo, etc. Yeah. So it was all good. Bevan, you're going the wrong way. I need my... I need oh, my you got to go get a dollar. Well, that's us out from the, uh, the party tonight, but we'll be talking to you later on the show. Okay, so I'm starting these interviews with your name and where you are from. Kevin Hunt, Crosschurch, New Zealand, part of the Crosschurch Mafia. <laughs> There's quite a few here, isn't there? There is. So, so back home, when you're in Crosschurch, do you train with those people much or do you get... Uh, no, don't. No, no. So, so I see you... them around, but no. And have you mainly kind of built the relationship through the camps? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So this is your second camp? You did the camp in uh, Kona last year? I did, yeah. So what do you like about camps? Uh, just the lifestyle, just not having to worry about anything else, just get up, train. Yep. Know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's all organised for you. It's great. And it's kind of stress free, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. So, um, how long have you been in triathlon for? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think my first one was about 89. Oh, wow. Start off small, small um, hometown ones. So, so, what got you into it originally? Because in 89, I can't imagine. Um, I'll tell you what got me. Um, 
I remember I'd come back from overseas in 88 and I heard about this triathlon thing and I went to one at Corsia Bay in, in, in Littleton and where I was from and Erin Baker was there. Oh wow. And I watched her and I remember I played rugby at the time and I went to the rugby club that night and talked to my coach and I said I'm going to do a triathlon and so I just set my mind to it. I didn't really swim at that stage so I just sort of I used to go to the pool and I'd swim up and down. I wouldn't touch the sides, the ends. <laughs> oh, really? That's what I thought I had to do, and <laughs> just to keep swimming. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, yeah, got into it. And, yeah. what, what about Erin on that day was so appealing? Um, I don't know. Just I knew about her. Um, I sort of knew her from her sister at sc- um, through school. Yeah, who was that? Was it Maureen? Uh, Philippa. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah, well, she's younger. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, so, yeah, I sort of knew her from there and... And uh, I don't know if they lived in Littleton at that stage or not, but I come from Littleton, so yeah. I knew all about that. And uh, and what was your experience of triathlon? Kind of, you know, you, you go try to learn to swim and, and get into it. How did the first races go? Um, yeah, I sort of battled for the swim, I guess. Um, bike was okay. Um, I was probably more of a runner, if anything, those days. No, those days. Um, now it's kind of even. Yeah. Yeah, the swimming sort of picked up quite a bit. That's a good question. So, like for a lot of people, the swim is the bugbearer. Mm. You, how has it got to the place where you can now say that it's kind of you're an even triathlete? Yeah, um, I think just usually I don't swim in the pool from like November to March. I swim swim in the ocean or a lake if I get to a lake. But I th- think just I often go go to our local beach and swim by myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, some of the swims the tri club on Saturday morning. Yeah. But that's, I just. Just do it. And so then your triathlon career has been continuous throughout the time? Or you've yeah, kind of come and I gone? haven't stopped doing triathlon really? all that time, yeah. But it was only probably after my kids grew up a bit um, and I had a bit more time. Got a very supportive wife. So, yeah, do the longest distance stuff. So why, was, why has triathlon been able to be so appealing to you for so long? I just think it's a lifestyle thing. You know, I, I love biking. I, I've always loved running, but as I get older... Running, you can't do as much, so yep. the biking comes into yeah. it. Yeah, you know they always say that bike shops are full of uh, mixed runners. Yeah, true. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and of course the swimming. If you want to do triathlon, you have to swim. So yeah. you just got to do it. Well, it's funny because I don't really swim now because it's just kind of an old life for me. But every time I come on these camps, although I haven't done a huge amount of swimming on this one, but I do enjoy. Sw- I'm glad I learned to swim, and I'm, I do love. Just like especially mm. lake water swimming, yeah, it's just like pretty special, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hey, so you were just saying before we push record on the interview. There's something about this race that is really relaxing. You know, you don't feel like an Ironman as such. What, what, what do you, what do you yeah, mean by that? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, like, I did the run last night, the expo. It was just cruisy. Um, you know, they got the Utinger beer thing going on. Um, and just, you know, today at the swim, it was just like you rock up, you just jump in the water. There's no real officials or anything, no one telling you what to do. Yeah. People just worked it out. You go out one way, come around, yeah. come back the other way, you know? It was... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the Ironman hype stuff, but yeah. it just seems really cruisy here. You've been in the sport forever. Has this always been a race? Like, has Rote been this something that you've always known of, and has it always been a race you've wanted to do? Um, not about it for a fair while. I wouldn't say I knew about it at the start, because I was mainly just doing short stuff. Yeah. I didn't really know much about Ironman in those days. You oh, know, so Ironman wasn't that big? Um, I, you know, I definitely heard of it and, and probably saw a little bit on TV. and yeah. that, You know, I used to get tri-mags and all that yeah. sort of thing. So. But yeah... Um, Right, probably didn't come on the radar, probably, or no, say maybe 10 years ago, something like that. And then to yeah. be here now? And yeah, well, I, 
I think I got the last spot on the camp. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I am the nerd. Money-wise, I thought, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, I've been wanting to come back to Europe for 30 years. Oh, so you haven't been back for 30 years? No, no. Wow. Yeah, I haven't been. Yeah. And you lived here, didn't you? I, I lived in the UK for a while. Yeah. I'd, I'd been, I'd been over to Germany a couple of times. Um, well, three separate times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, enjoying Germany as well. It's good. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it was just an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone, really. And, and what's the plan for the race? The plan for races, and I know you probably hear this all the time, just to enjoy it. Yeah. I, I really want to, I just want to um, just swim, nice consistent race, bike as well as I can. Probably haven't done the miles I'd like to have done with yep. across this winter. Not an excuse, but it's just, just makes it harder. Yep. Um, and just hope I'm in reasonably good shape for the run. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and do you have a time in mind? Um... Kind of do. I'm not going to say it on here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm told it's a fast bike course. After biking it, I can see why it could be fast, but it's deceptive, isn't let it? Let me tell you, there's a lot of hills. Yeah, a lot really of ups is. and downs. Yeah, a hell of a lot. You've it's got not, to make sure you make the most of downhill. It's not you? flat. Yes, yeah. and I keep those words ringing in my ears all the time. And uh, even the other day when I was um, training on the on the loop. Um, yeah, you, you really got to pedal down those hills to make the use of it. Although the other day I was flying down one hill, like a bloody bee come into my jersey. Oh, did it? And I thought, oh no, and I could feel it stinging. Stop, rip the jersey open, and I must have gone. And about 10 minutes later, the pain had gone away, so I just kept going. And you um, had a couple of bike mechanics this week. Does that kind of throw you off, or you, what's your kind of attitude? I'm just not really worrying about it. I think it's fixed. Um, yep. I don't really know what caused it. I had some work done before I come away. I think it's a combination of a couple of things, yep. plus coming downhill in the big, big gear and trying to pedal. And I don't know what happened. Just the um, the rear cluster, just the the smallest cog, just come undone. Um, mm. And I think just locked up. But you seem you seem to have an attitude. Like even though that's a pretty frustrating thing to happen on race week, uh, you seem to be very relaxed about kind of just dealing with it. You know, yeah. even you know now you know it's not a problem. Just, but just work through the process. Yeah, um, don't make do too emotionally yeah, torn no, up, caught up. No, I just sort of. Looked at some options, you know, some of the guys said they might have had the gear to fix it, they didn't. Um, so, you know, um, your wife Jo and um, Emma, the sport person, they just got me to a bike shop. Yeah. Um, Emma kind of pushed in. And, uh, <laughs> guy didn't speak um, English, so she spoke German, so she just says he needs it straight away. Wow. He says, oh, one hour, one hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was done, so it was it was good, yeah. But, but you asked me about the time. Yeah. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to say the time. I just hope I can pick a little bit of time up on the bike with the course. Yeah. And I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a funny one because when I did it, I actually went too easy on the first lap because, yeah, yeah I don't know. And then the second lap, I should be fast in this. So it's a kind of interesting thing. Um, a question I've been asking is how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? What would be your answer to that? Um, just consistent, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just consistent. Um, I'm not an extrovert, so I don't go out there and racing around and stuff. I just just do my thing, mm. you know. Um, my nickname on the show is the Assassin. Yeah, um, I love that nickname. Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether that's just come up behind people. I like to pass people on the run. I do, and I know it's too late then, but it, it is a good feeling. Oh, for sure. You know, and coming home strong, and so yeah. that's what I and that's playing to my strength. So. Um, that's what I like to do, yeah. Well, good luck this weekend, mate. It's been awesome having you on the camp, and uh, we'll see you in the finish line, mate. Yeah, thanks, Bev. Come on. Cheers.
Okay, name and where you are from. Come in nice and close. Okay. Uh, David Locke. I'm from uh, Monavale, which is a suburb north of Sydney in uh, New South Wales, Australia. So it's a pretty special weekend for you this weekend because you're doing number what iron distance race? This is number 20 for me. Really? Wow. Just coming a little bit close to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, tw- so, so when did you start in sport? Mate, I started pretty late. So I started in 2009. Oh, wow. So you've yeah. smashed it out. I was, um, yeah, and it wasn't intentional. It's just I was sort of dragged into it through work, uh, as most people are. Yeah. I did a corporate triathlon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I did a little bit of training for that. Didn't have a coach or anything. And just loved it, you know. Just finished and just got that adrenaline rush that I think that most people do and just was hooked. That was it. Were you always into kind of sports before that? No, uh, I played... You know, the usual Australian sports, yeah. which are a bit of cricket, a bit of league, but nothing that was endurance-based. Mm. I'm not really not really an endurance frame type guy. I'm definitely never a runner. Yeah. And so then you did a corporate and just hooked? Just hooked, yeah. But it, it wasn't without its, uh, without its issues, you know. It was about a 300-metre swim in Sydney Harbour. And I'd done a lot of work on the on the bike and a bit of work on the run, but I got about 100 metres in on the swim. Yeah. And basically looked around and thought, yeah, I'm a long way from land, even though it was only 100 metres yeah. and, you know, just... Had a panic attack? Yeah. Really? Yeah, just um, called out to one of the paddlers and basically, they, you know, they come over and I held on for a bit and then I had a look and eventually finished the swim off. But, yeah, I got out and by the time I got through the bike and the run, I'd, I'd almost forgotten it. But um, did, it, did it put you off a little bit or...? Did oh, it? look, I didn't jump straight back in. Mm. But the, the corporate triathlon rolled around again the next year, so I didn't actually do... That was 2007. Yep. So the corporate triathlon rolled around the next year, 2008, and I'd done pretty well in overall because I'd done the work on yep. the bike and the run. I'd managed to take over. You know, we probably had, you know, 15 people from from work, and I uh, I managed to get back in front of about 12 of them, yep. even with that issue. And I thought, maybe if I work on the swim, I can do this thing a little bit better. So I, I looked up a uh, looked up a local coach and... Did a fair bit of work on the swim, and then from from then on, it was just yeah, it was hooked. And so, how long was the progression to Iron Distance? So, 2008, I did another corporate triathlon, uh, and obviously had the assistance of a coach. Uh, the Australian um, Triathlon or Triathlon Australia were also advertising for the Age Group World Championships, which was on the Gold Coast in 2009. Oh, okay. And uh, the, my coach at the time said, look, you know, you have a crack at that. So we sort of targeted a few races and I managed to qualify for that for 2009 on the Gold Coast. Wow, that's pretty uh, good. Yeah, for, it was only sprint distance. Yeah, but still, because Austra- a race in Australia, I'm sure everyone came out of the woodwork to qualify. Yeah, everybody had a, had yeah, a crack. But yeah. yeah, and it was just, you know, I sort of ticked them off one by one. I thought, well, the sprint was pretty easy. Let's, let's try and do an Olympic. And it's never really quick but it was just a progression and with each distance that I went up it became more and more achievable and and I just liked it longer you know I just liked it more and more and so so your first time in was 2009 I did Bustleton yep um, which was a really good race Um, had a really good swim a really good bike but absolutely imploded on the run (laughs) the run's been a bit of a it's been a work in in progress for me for for most of my triathlon career um and then, yeah, I basically ticked off, you know, straight away. I finished Bustleton and thought, I can do something better. So I signed up for Ironman Australia. Um, and I did Ironman Australia and Bustleton again the next year. And then the year after, um, I, I threw three in. You know, and it wasn't, 
there was never really, a, you know, it was never really an intention or an aim. It was just with each one that I did, I felt better and I, I got more comfortable and a little less anxious and, you know, trained a little bit more and learned a little bit more. So I just, you know, kept on. So you're going to be doing 20 in eight years? Yeah, uh, yeah, so this will be 20. I think, I think the most that I did was sort of three in a year. Yeah. I sort of did three for a period of three years. And it was not really smart at the time. I wouldn't really advise anyone to do it. I, I had, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I found uh, somewhat naively that with each race, I got a little bit better through the years. So, you know, the first year that I did three, I did Ironman New Zealand. Then I did Port Macquarie, and I did Bustleton at the end. Uh, the next year, I did Melbourne, I did Port Macquarie, and I did Cairns. And with each race, you know, I, I got a little bit better. I mm. felt I got better. The run got better. So mm. I thought it, it must be good. Yeah. It must be good. It's a good thing. I'm getting quicker. I'm feeling better, and I'm, you know, I'm ticking the boxes. So I thought it was smart. I didn't really think uh, long term it would have an impact, and it hasn't. You know, yeah. I tend to, to back up from them pretty well and pull up but from them well. So you seem like you're a person who's kind of, you know, you're bought in and, and you love it, and it's this lifestyle. It is a demanding lifestyle, especially if you're racing quite a bit. Mm. So you know, like most, a lot of people might try to get Nyman every couple, three years, you know, mm. but you've kind of been consistent in doing it. How do you make your life work with that? Time management is really? a big part. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually find that my my family, obviously, first and foremost, yep. having a supportive family is, is key. Mm. So my wife's very supportive. Mm. I've got two, you know, they're, they're big now, but when I first started, they were... You know, they were quite yeah. small young young lads that you know were sitting under a signboard at, at Bustleton. Sort of memories were you know probably seven seven years old, but they've sort of come along for the journey. They've sort of enjoyed. We've tried to make the races a bit of a holiday as well, so they you know keep them engaged. Mm. Um, so that's probably the first part of it. The second part of it is I find that it, it helps me with work. You know, really? I'm more focused. Yeah. I, I've got a fairly demanding job. It's fairly stressful, and I find that it's an outlet. Mm. You know, some some people, you know, uh, may go and sit down in the pub and have a drink. Or no, but it's like often that. a problem if if you have a demanding job, and particularly mm. for men, it's it's kind of alcohol or overeating mm. or, or, or bad behaviours. Worse yeah. than that is how they deal with stress, isn't it? And so yeah. to have a really good healthy outlet. I think I could probably do all of that if I, if I didn't have <laughs> yeah, triathlon, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Well, I'm sure you see lots of guys in your age bracket in your career who yeah. have gone down that path, Yeah, you know, and it's a much healthier way to live your life. Oh, it is definitely. If you look, if you look at, I, I look at myself before triathlon um, and, you know, when I was very work focused, um, still family focused, probably not as healthy, maybe sleeping a little bit more, mm. but I'm definitely a better person as I currently am. Mm. And, and I think you, you tend to find time, you make time, uh, if, you have, if you have a good support network. So I've been fortunate to have a really good club Oh, really? To have some really good coaches. Give them some love. Who's the club? Uh, Warringah Triathlon Club. Warringah Triathlon Club. Uh, some really good coaches along the way that just really have helped me grow um, and helped me learn and just be smarter about it. You know? mm. And I just, you just get up and you just love the people, you love the sport, you just love doing it. You know, it just gets better. So this weekend, uh, goal and what does this race kind of mean to you? Um goal for me is to have a good race obviously I want to I want to you know have a, a set of PB have a good time 
Um, that would involve, I've, I've struggled with the run over the years. I think with me, my coach and I finally sort of clicked it, found out, you know, what's sort of been holding that back. And we've, we've put the miles in, so, you know, to have a really good run. So I'm, I'm looking to, you know, run somewhere around 3.30. Would be, oh, nice. Would be ideal. That would be the best for me. In terms of the race, just the environment, I just want to enjoy it now. It's just a matter of, you know, soaking it all up, being in a new country, mm. good people around, you know, good environment and just enjoying it. Uh, the question I've been asking everyone is, is how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? So maybe you want to share what, what that would be for you. Look, I, for me, it's there's, there's always a way to get somewhere. You know, there's, there's your traditional methods and, you know, your ways of qualifying or achieving and... I'd like to be remembered as someone who just managed to do everything and, and, you know, do it to the best of their ability. And, you know, not necessarily. I was I was lucky enough to, to get the Kona slot through Legacy. Um, coming here to Rote this year, I, I didn't actually get the entry. They, they sold out in five minutes. So I, yeah. I ended up on this camp, and it's one of the one of the better uh, camps that I've, I've been oh, on. So, yeah, just... And yeah, just just pushing yourself. Like I would have never have picked myself in 2007 to have to have gone to the Gold Coast and you know done the age group uh, sprint distance. So <laughs> it's just having that that support network and good people around you that who encourage you and just bring the best out in you. So just you know, being remembered as a person who had a good go and yeah, it's pretty good, mate. Hey, well, good luck this weekend. Hopefully, you get that PB and smash that run. Good on you. Thanks, heaps, Bevan. Thanks, mate. Okay, and we are on a name and and place. Although you're you're a bit of a Rolling Stone, you are, aren't you? So name and where you from? I'm Annette Lee. I was born in England, lived in New Zealand for 18 years, and now live in Brisbane. How long have you been in Brisbane for now? Three and a half years. What's the triathlon scene like? And you know, because you were quite involved in the New Zealand scene. Yeah, um, there are lots of triathletes around there because obviously noose is a big draw yeah. for people. Um, yeah, lots of triathlon clubs, many more than in New Zealand. But I don't belong to one anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> no. I just, I just didn't feel the need for that at first. You know, it was just getting used to a new place. Um, but I'm fortunate. I have a good friend who's a former pro. So yeah. we go out on nano rides and spend hours chewing over the cut. And yeah. suddenly your training's done, which is great. You've been trying the sport for how long? Uh, oh, 13 years. Wow. So what yeah. originally got you into it? Um... A girl that I, I, I used to work um, for Telecom in New Zealand. Um, I ran the extra MSN site when that was up and running. And this young girl, she came up, she was like the secretary, and she said, oh, what are you doing at the weekend? And I said, oh, I don't know, you know, I was about 43. And she said, oh, I'm doing a triathlon. Said, What's that? And she told me, and I said, oh, oh, okay. And she said, oh, you should come, come. And I said, no, no, I'm too old for that. And she, anyway, long story short, I went, I got hooked. And six, what, 13 years later, here I am. And were you into, were you a sporting person before that moment? Not really, no. 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 I mean, I'd, I'd always walked a lot. I'd always ridden a bike just, you know, to get from A to B when I was at uni. Um, and I'd always swum, but I couldn't swim freestyle when I did my first few triathlons. Well, I was breaststroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so active, but not sporty, no. I didn't like competition. I didn't like being part of a team because I didn't have the confidence. Yeah. So triathlon, I guess, was ideal because it was all down to me. So, so when, like, it's interesting, you know, because like a lot of people who have been athletes their whole lives, and, and for you, it's kind of like you're healthy, and then at 43, you kind of introduced to sport. So what did that bring to your life? Because it must have been quite a shift. 
Um, I think when you get to 40, everything starts to spread and you kind of sort of, well, people around you are spreading at the same rate and you <laughs> kind of go, well, okay, this is it. But then it was that um, that realisation that actually 40, you can do something with your body. It okay. doesn't have to become inactive. And I guess it brought the healthiness, but also escapism, because my job was quite stressful at the time. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to go off at lunchtime and say, right, well, I'm going for an hour's run and then come back. Everybody else is in that sort of two o'clock afternoon down bit and I'm like buzzing. Um, so it was a realisation that 40 is not the end of the world. That's actually just the start of it. Really? So it's kind of this, this sense of I can grow physically moving forward as well in, in that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly now, you know, the age I am, nearly 57, um, I work with people who are a lot younger than me, and a lot of them are women, and a lot of them are in that sort of midlife mm. crisis. And I just look at them and think, "Oh my goodness, mm. get off yet yeah. and do something because it's downhill from here." But do you find you're an inspiration to your world? They say I am. Yeah. Um, I don't set out to be an inspiration, but they certainly say I am. And the the place I work at the moment, there's a lot of obese people, yeah. morbidly obese, because yeah. um, it's quite a sedentary job. Yep. And I, because I'm busy, I very often will do my runs. I've got a circuit, so I'll, I'll, I'm a journalist, so I'm writing my bulletin, getting ready for the next broadcast. So I'll get that ready, look at it, yeah, that's good to go. And I run 1.5K, come back, read my bulletin, get it ready for the next hour. And do training. And they're all like, what is she doing? Yeah. But I said, come with me. <coughs> you know, if you can't do 1.5, go from that tree to mm. that tree. So I've, I have got them moving, which is quite mm. quite good, and I, and I hope that there can be a progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're, they're interested because a lot of them are of a certain age, mm. you know, that forty to fifty, and they're all going through the menopause, mm. and I just say, just fight it, fight it. Don't. Well, but it. it's interesting, isn't it? Because you say that you know, for you at forty three, it helped you realise it. Age just doesn't have to be a limitation, really. It's kind of what you no. said. And, and for a lot of people, as we get to these older kind of years, that we do kind of ha- think we have these limitations. And through a sport like triathlon, you realise, oh no, I can grow. And, yeah. you know, I can go from doing paddling to actually yeah. swim, you know, and then what does it open up in the rest of my life? I mean, the only other, the only thing I think which is a, a limitation for you when you get into sport, when you've not been used to that competitive nature, is the confidence. And certainly over the years, um, my confidence has grown to the point now where I really don't care. Yeah. You know, I I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care how long it takes me. I'm not going to give up. That's Mm. the main thing. I will not give up. Mm. Um, But I don't care what other people think. Mm. And it's it's really liberating. Why? (sighs) Because you're free. Okay. You're free. Yeah. You're free from... Uh, what people expect of a 57-year-old woman. You're free of any expectations in terms of performance. And, yeah, it's just liberating. And so freedom equals enjoyment. Yeah, oh, the enjoyment has to be a main part of it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, I got involved in it and got that obsession and went through all that. And I had a coach who I felt expected things of me, which was difficult. Um and we worked through that and I, and I reached my goals. And then the greatest thing, the biggest thing for me was to say, actually, I don't need you anymore. Mm. And it's been fantastic mm. because everything I do is because I want to do it. Mm. And the enjoyment factor, you know, is just phenomenal. I mean, we, Jan and I go out for a three, four hour ride and we get back and we're like, 
Ah, well, we've covered world world peace, menopause, (laughs) husbands, ex-husbands, children, you know, we've been through the whole lot. And... We've just enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and that, then that was what the sport can be. You know, like that, that is the enjoyment, isn't it? I think if you come into this sport and you don't enjoy it, then get out, get out yeah, straight away. That yeah. has to be. You can have all the goals, you can put all the effort in, but if what you're doing you're not enjoying, just don't bother. And, and, I, and I'm a big believer in that kind of. Um, there's a lot of people in the sport who are just here because it's a habit that they've had from the past and they the evolution actually has stopped the enjoyment. Where, you know, it sounds like for you the journey's been, it started with this kind of growth and discovery and now it's actually just a really cool place in your life. And whereas we do get a lot of people who started with the growth and the challenge but actually now it's just, it's just a habit and there's no growth and they're not even really enjoying it. And as you say, it's maybe time to move on. And a break is good. I mean, I did Ironman Western Australia in December and... I did it mainly because friends wanted to do it and I'd done it a few times before and I said, okay, I'll come. But I realised building up to that, I wasn't really enjoying Mm. it. It was just that, you know, habit, we've got to get through this. Mm. And so afterwards, I didn't do much at all. Mm. And I just took on all the work that I could, worked sort of 60, 70 hours a week, thought, this is great, got some money in the bank. And then gradually I got out and I just thought right well I'm not I have don't have a coach don't have to do what he says mm. I just do what I want and I've had fun I've said a few times I'm going to run home from work which is like 50k mm. so I'll go 28 or 30 yeah. and then get someone to pick me up and it's just enjoyable yeah. you know I've stopped along on my run and I've talked to people with dogs and kids on bikes and mm. stuff and you just think why would you make it difficult for yourself when mm. you can be out there Running through parklands, which is I'm lucky to be able to do, running along the foreshore, mm. meeting people. It's mm. not just a 28k run. It's it's life. a cool experience. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, this weekend, what's the goal? Finish. So just get and do it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. obviously, in my mind, I've got times. So yeah. You, you haven't raced here before, have you? No. So you're no. looking forward to the race? Yeah. 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 It's one. It's it's life experience now. You know, there's much more behind me than there is in front of me, mm. and you know, when you get to this age and people start dying, yeah. you know, young, no, no, I hear and you, you kind of go, hang on a minute, I can't put this up. Yeah. I mean, Scott said to me the other day, because I'd love to do comrades, and he said, girl, don't leave it. Mm. He said, because, you know, you will get to an age where you can't do it. Mm. Um, you might not think that now. And he's right, you know, never put it off. Mm. If you get the opportunity, whether it. it's comrades or going down the slide at the swimming pool <laughs> and banging your head, um, do it. Because Just the, the one question I've got to be finishing up on is how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? Mm. <coughs> um, somebody who didn't give up. Nice. Right. Well, good luck this weekend. Enjoy the race. I it sounds will like you already are. And uh, it was nice to see you come in last night for that run because you know you're. Just I was the only girl. That was that was a big <laughs> thing for me. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I w- uh, a year, eighteen months ago, I wouldn't have done it. Oh really? Because you guys are all testosterone up yeah. and be yeah. off. And I wouldn't have done it, but I just thought, hey, I want to do this run. And I don't care if they run off and they have to wait for hours, mm. I'm going to do it. Yeah, it was a beautiful run too. So it was. Good work. It was well, thanks for coming along and we'll see you on the weekend. Have a good yeah. luck in your race. Game on. Right out your name and where you are from. Well, it's pretty obvious because you're wearing a t-shirt to tell me, but but well, where are you from? Well, my name's James Thomas. Come on, Chris, my name's James Thomas and I'm originally from the UK, but I've been in Canada for 22 years. Wow. What got you into triathlon? A fluke. Um, we were travelling down to San Francisco and I needed something to read on the 
plane and I picked up <laughs> some triathlete magazine. Really? Swimsuit edition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I read it on the plane and this was like June, June, July. And there was one locally in September. So I started doing what I thought was triathlon training and did my first one in September. And I was just hooked. So I did it on a mountain bike. So before that moment... Did you know much about triathlon other than before that moment you picked up that magazine? I only knew that crazy fit people did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and just reading that magazine just triggered something. Yeah, yeah I thought, well, give it. I'd, I'd recently got off the couch after 20-odd years, and I was run walking around the local park and making some progress. Yeah. And it was, uh, I did it, and it was, I don't know what it was. It was just incredible. Everyone's so friendly. No one's judging you everyone's helpful anyone needs a spare anything it's just great yeah and so what was that race like um i thought i was running about a 40 minute five five k and i did a pb of like 27 at the time oh wow yeah and it felt like i was just running so slowly oh really yeah wow yeah. wow and so then the progression um the next summer i went a bit nuts i had a sabbatical from work <laughs> and i did two or three sprints, an Olympic, and then five half marathons. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, you just hooked? Yeah, I just hooked. Wow. Yeah. And then the year after, I did uh, my first Ironman. So it went yeah. from pretty much doing nothing to yeah. in two years doing an Ironman. Yeah. What do you world think? Um, like, you know, those who know you, maybe those who know you for a long time, and, you know, because well, well, it's... Cause it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Uh, I'm a computer guy, yeah. so you know you don't do a lot of exercise and you sit around a lot, and uh, it was quite a change. It was wow. a change, and it's it's the lifestyle. Do, do really people try to protect you? Because like something you hear a lot is, particularly from like I have a lot of in my running group a lot of older people, and uh, and you, if the appearance will say, oh, you, you know, is, is this safe? My mum is still like, really, oh, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing really? right now. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. And so then, what does it give to your life? Um, you wouldn't think this is what triathlon <coughs> brought, but it brought some structure and some balance. Oh, really? My, it, triathlon gave me balance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ironman training was, was my balancing act, yeah. Because? Um, working too hard and not much else. And, yeah. and when you became a person who found balance through sport and then worked less, what happened with your work? I was fine. Oh, really? I was fine, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're, a, you're a better person when you're more balanced. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it's changed me completely. Do you think you would have believed it beforehand? No, really. No, no. People tell me to do this for this sport or that for that sport, and I'm still pff, no. And then I'll get to that point and go, "Oh, why didn't I listen to those people two years ago?" Yeah. So, so what's been your triathlon journey then? Um, started with uh, Ironman Canada in Penticton, and did five of those. Then it turned to challenge, and I did two more of those. And I was like, never, tra never travelled really to a race because I take the house with me in a car. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> then we were going back to Wales, and I to visit my folks. And um, Ironman Wales was on at roughly the same time, or maybe I negotiated the trip to be at the same yeah. time. So I went back and did Wales, and that was the most brutal race. Yeah, that was a, it was a hard that race. That was a hard yeah. race. Yeah. I was overtrained and I was, didn't want to be there and, and uh, I was going to sell my bike. And oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's over. You know, it's always over. <laughs> Loved it. Really? Loved it. It was the hardest race I've ever done, the most memorable and the best. Why the most memorable? Because um, it was the toughest. I don't remember my fastest race. I just don't remember it. Not at all. And yet, Wales, uh, yeah, and the crowd support and... Uh, 
the whole the whole venue the venue embraces it and there's there's people all around the the bike course there are tractors parked in fields with the forklift up on the front and sofas on them and people sitting on the sofas watching uh, you go around and yeah it's really good you, what, what, like I know when I travel and, and I'm you know when you've been on like a long haul and I get on an Air New Zealand plane and, and it's like oh I'm home you know and I know you've been in Canada for 20 years but was something about being at home in that race kind of cool as uh, well a lot of family and friends came down to watch which is when I was in such a bad mood that's why I got to the start line because really? everyone had come to watch and uh, it's a tough course. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I feel when I see um, Vancouver as we're coming into land, that's, I, I feel home. Yeah. I really feel at home. Um, what's the community like in Vancouver? It's a great tri community. Yeah. 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 It, I wasn't an out, well, obviously, I wasn't an outdoors person when I moved there, but uh, you have to become an outdoors person to embrace Vancouver. Mm. You can go snowboarding in the morning, golf in the afternoon, paddleboard in the evening. It's that kind of, and a, and a beach barbecue. Yeah. It's that kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, why road? Oh, you got to, haven't you? It's a bucket list item. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. And uh, even though I, know, I haven't done the race yet, but what's yeah. your thoughts even just at this point? I, I want to get it done now. Yeah. Yeah. You've got two days to go and I want to go to sleep now and wake up race morning. Yeah. Because yeah, we've done everything. Yeah. And the camp's been fantastic for uh, just, it's exciting to have all these people high performing, non high performing, uh, all focused on the same goal and doing the same thing. It's been it's been really cool. Goal? Um, I'm hoping to sandbag it because my last race was really bad, and so my best was two and a half hours faster. So I oh wow, so yeah. Yeah. so I hope to be what happened? Just boom boom. Um, nutrition uh-huh. execution was really poor. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was those storms we had this morning. Um, Which I slipped through. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> it was like that on the bike, the whole bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just a and hard I day. didn't take in much nutrition because I was too stubborn to stop for two minutes and fix my nutrition. I'd uh, rather ride and not take it. Yeah. And that just because you're two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes expanded. I know. Yeah, it's awful. What would be some of the lessons that you'd tell people who don't have sport in their life, like you, twenty yeah. or before you did this journey, uh, and think that pulling back from work would be bad for their career? What would be the advice you'd give to them? You can. Yeah, you can, and you, I needed to. I absolutely needed to. Who so would you be if you didn't? Um, I might be dead. I don't know. I was I was very unhealthy, and uh, how did you deal with stress at that time in your life? I didn't. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Was, yeah this, this has been fantastic balancing act. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Mm. Uh, the question I've been kind of finishing with is, uh, how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? Helpful. I I've stopped in races before to to um, give people spares or help them change a tyre. Um, I'm not going to win. So unless, unless I'm like 11.59.59 or something, yeah. uh, I'm quite happy to, to stop and help people. Yeah. So I've got a running joke with a friend of mine who I'll give a credit to, JP. Go JP. Yeah. Um, we have a joke about seven minutes because I, I, I waited for him on his first half iron. Uh, to help him run because he was he had bronchitis. Okay, <laughs> he was doing the run in the heat, so uh, we helped each other around. You are a real people person, aren't you, James? I like to think so. Oh no, uh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really obvious. Well, so you're helpful, but I imagine also the social side of sports really important for you. I love the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really good. Yeah, it's cool. Eh? Yeah, like even in these small weeks you have with people, you kind of develop friendships that. You know, like you might not see each other. You'll see each other in a race three years yeah. from now, but it's like, oh, wow, cool. And you, you know, like there aren't many idiots in the. You know, you're racking your bike. People will move stuff. They'll lend you stuff. They'll yeah. give you stuff. You yeah, know, it's, it's it's really nice. Mm. And um, even though it's competitive, you get a few people who are a little too competitive. Yeah, but 
Them's the bricks. They've got to figure some things out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, good luck this weekend and thanks for being on the camp and uh, yeah, game on, Cheers, on the thanks. Sunday. Awesome, mate. Thanks. Okay, name and where you are from. Marisa Rastetter, and I'm from San Diego. You've got a gnarly name. And now what's your saying around your name? Uh, to pronounce my name correctly, you want to say Teresa Marisa. Teresa with an M, basically, isn't it? Exactly. You, you, you've, she came into our interview with an ice bag on her head. Tell us the story. <laughs> well, we were doing some hardcore training, and I just was going for those Strava segments, and there was a new one out there, and I was like, I'm going to be king of the mountain. So I went for it and unfortunately uh, slipped at the very start of it and fell back. Oh, really? So you fell back? Yeah. So my feet came out from under me and I uh, fell. The first thing to hit the ground was the back of my head. You're lucky then, aren't you? Yeah. So I continued down the portion of that Strava segment, which was... Was it a hydro slide, was it? It was a water slide next to the beautiful 50-meter pool that we had just been swimming at. And I had to then continue down the slide, and I was holding my head, thinking, wow, I really hit my head hard. And then... Oh, so you actually... Oh, so you literally slip over, fall over, then go down the slide. Oh, oh yeah, because I was That sounds already, like a bad movie, that yeah, does. exactly. Oh, so no. I was already on my way down, holding my head, and I was sitting up and trying to slow down as I'm going down the slide instead of going for the KOM. So I get to the bottom, and Phil and Terry are down there, and they're like, what happened to you? You took so long to get down here. Mm-hmm. And then I said, um, I hit my head, and, and then I got a little woozy and went over to the side of the pool to hold on because I was a little dizzy. And then what I didn't know is that it was then gushing blood, and so they quickly got me out of the pool oh, wow. and a towel. Lifeguard came over, and then next thing I know, there's an ambulance at the pool checking me out, and thank goodness I didn't need stitches. And, uh, and they want to do it. So that was two extra. days ago? Uh, just yesterday morning. Oh, no, and how are you feeling now? So um, it's it's a little better. We're obviously checking for, like, concussion symptoms. Um, nice thing, there's also a doctor on this camp, so he came and, yeah. and talked to me about it. Um, you know, I just have a headache and a, a nice big goose egg on the back of my head, but uh, definitely not in the plans for a yeah, pre, pre-race training Before you regimen. bang the head, um, how, we, how are you feeling about your race? I'm obviously super excited about this race, been on the bucket list forever, and uh, to be honest, I've been trying to qualify for Kona, so I haven't been doing any challenge races. I've been doing all Ironman branded races, but um, I knew it wasn't going to be in the cards this year, and so when John and you offered the camp, I was like, I have to go. And I was literally on a bike ride listening to the podcast about a week or two late from when the podcast came out. I heard that you had slots and you had this camp and I stopped my bike and I emailed John oh, really? <laughs> straight away and I said, please tell me there is one more slot for me because I am dying yeah. to do this race and the camp sounds fantastic. And fortunately there was a slot. So um, to be honest, I was like, I'm gonna race really quickly at Rote. I think it's a perfect course for me, um, you know, fast bike. I think I can, you know, if I could just hang on for the run and. Definitely had my expectations set very high, which I was trying not to do, but you know, you, you get a little away from yourself. And I've been racing for a long time and I've been, I've had some good, some successful racing mm. in previous years. And I was like, all right, this is my comeback race. I'm gonna smash it. And then three months ago, I had a very strange quad injury, um, just running easy and uh, 
my vastus lateralis basically gave way and uh, we think there was some micro tearing and fascia tore and and then I couldn't I so I haven't run in the last almost three months um, lots oh, of aqua yeah. jogging um, started on that Alter G treadmill to get in at least a what's little it like? bit I've never, I've never done it what's it like it's really cool really? Um, you put on these kind of neoprene shorts that have a zipper around the waist and you actually step into a plastic yeah. bubble yeah. Uh, around the treadmill and you get zipped in and then it pressurizes and calibrates your weight and so you can you can then choose from oh, okay. zero to a hundred what um, pressure you want to run at, or I should say weight. Yep. And so you can off weight yourself, which is why it's used for injuries. Oh. Um, so it's a way to slowly introduce load bearing back in. Exactly. Oh, wow. So I started at about sixty percent of my weight, which you know it feels pretty fantastic. <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only like I could lose forty percent of my body weight, <laughs> and then I would you know maybe a couple days later I would go to seventy percent, and it, you know I'd do like five minutes at sixty-five percent, and then a couple minutes later add, and it's amazing because I would even just add a couple percent. And it was like, wow, it's a really? lot. So then the crazy thing is when you go back out and run on the road a bit and oh, you feel, feel heavy. like you weigh very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weigh a lot. So. So, so the running right now is weird. And that's the thing. We were just ho- we're hoping that my leg just kind of comes right um, on race days. So you're running I, right on the camp. So I'm doing uh, the run walk yep. thing, which I've actually never done before. I've read a lot about it and I always say I'll try it, but mm. I don't actually do it. Um, this time I'm definitely doing it. You know, I started out with just two minutes of walking. I'm sorry, two minutes of running and then 30 seconds of walking. And I think keeping it to 30 seconds of walking versus a full minute, it, it, that full minute almost is too much rest. Mm. And then it, what it does though, the 30 seconds resets kind of the muscle. So it doesn't build up and get so tight that I can't run. And the nice thing is the faster I run, the better it feels. The only problem is I wish I could run a marathon at like seven minute miles. That would be awesome. If only. Yeah, Yeah. if only. And so the heat, are you concerned about that for the race? Uh, I am. Okay. Yeah, because I'm still a little dizzy. Um, I'm thinking in 48 hours it'll be much, much better. I did do the easy swim this morning, and fortunately it felt I wasn't sure if I'd be dizzy getting in the water. It felt okay. Great, great. So fingers crossed, and uh, I am 0 for 3 for Ironman starts in the last five years due to bike accident and then two other injuries so i really need to make this start line yeah yeah <laughs> i have a black cloud <laughs> i've got to do this over me yeah just 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 um outside of kind of this weekend because we talked a little about the race what's triathlon mean to your life you know i did my first race in 98 wow. um back when i was living on the east coast of the of the u.s and right from that moment it just basically turned my life around not around but in that direction where then it became a focus and then I uh, the year next year I moved to San Diego and one of the reasons I moved to San Diego I was from Southern California originally was because of triathlon so when I was planning the move from Washington DC I was either gonna go to Boulder or San Diego because they were both triathlon meccas and this was in 1999 and I mean I was still riding a a mountain bike with slicks you know I swam in college so I I had that background which made things a little nicer and I also played water polo so the the 
big starts. Yeah. I actually enjoy. I'm fine bumping into people and having them grab my suit and things like that. It's, Bring it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I, after a couple more years of racing, got really into it, and uh, and then it became a, a big passion in my life. And when I train, I'm I'm fun. I'm I like to have fun. I like to be social. Um, and when I race, people say you're a different person because I just I get serious and really focused. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm always gunning to podium or you know go for that win. And and I just I get such enjoyment out of it. But I also like on the off season, I'm one of those people that actually takes time off. I don't train through the winter. I probably get a little too lazy. Um, but I think that's what's kept me racing for the mm. last, I mean, I've been racing now 18 years mm. and I'm still just as passionate about it. Cause you come I back mean, a bit hungry. Exactly. Yeah. I come back and I've, I've just, the last five years have just been, I didn't have any injuries probably the first 13 years. I didn't, you know, and I knew I was lucky. I could, I could race back to back to back. I mean, I would do 15 races in a year and now it is just, it's. It's, but I'm I will I'm relentless and even <laughs> with me <laughs> going down the water slide here, I'm not, I'm going to make that start line uh, don't concussion or not you know <laughs> the, the question I've been finishing up with um, on these interviews is uh, how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete definitely um, when you think of me I love it when people think just fun um, I. I try to always have a smile on my face. I've actually had people say to me, you're always smiling. And I made a conscious decision a while ago. Why be that person that walks in the room with a scowl on their face, even if, you know, something is not going right in your life? Because I walk in the room and no matter what's going on in my life, I generally always have a smile and say hello. And I find that people are attracted to being around people like that, Hmm. which because I'm an extrovert, I get energy off of other people. So I, I like to be with a lot of people and I like just to be happy. And, and I mean, I, I, to be honest, I have a very, um, I'm very fortunate in my life and, you know, the situation that I'm living at. And so that, you know, maybe that does make it a little easier for me to be always smiley, Mm. but, um, I think just fun, but I'm also big into, um, you know, getting those 50 slots for women yeah. uh, at so Kona, fighting for the cause, and fighting for the cause, yeah. and um, you know, I coach um, young girls as a volunteer running that are from homeless families, and it's about encouraging women and girl, young girls, to get into sport. And of course, uh, I, I'm a self-proclaimed feminist. I'm, I'm proud to say that. Um, I know there's always been some negativity around it. I didn't embrace it until after I hit the age of 40, but hey, what's wrong with having men and women equal and, Mm. you know. (laughs) It's a (laughs) So, yeah, definitely, like, and encouraging, especially, like, beginning women to feel comfortable in the sport. And so that's the other thing is I found that when I go to races now, I will seek out people who I can tell are uncomfortable or they're coming to the racks. They don't know where to put their bike. You know, they're riding a mountain bike, and then they see all these $10,000 race bikes. And so... I'm just like, hey, you know, this is relaxed. Come and enjoy it. Enjoy your race. And I do do that more for women than maybe. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, of course, encourage men, uh, you know, at the same yeah. time. But I can tell that women seem to be a little more hesitant. No, no, totally. Because uh, I've got a running business and we target that market. And it's the support is what they need. Yep. You know, like, sure, you can write programs and the rest of it. And that's a part of it. But actually, it's kind of support, community, 
understanding they're not alone, all that kind of stuff's really important. And making them feel comfortable. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and yeah. that they can win. Exactly. They, 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 as in win in their own journey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, good luck this weekend. I'm sure you'll smash Thanks. it, mate. Oh, my faith in you. That ice is gold ice it is. And can I just say, I wanted to add two more things because I have to thank um, the I Am Talk podcast. For one, uh, you had a segment on metabolic efficiency with Bob Sibahar, uh-huh. and I started working with his colleague, Dina Griffin, and that has totally changed my nutrition. Great. I started racing a lot faster. Um, I did that about five years ago. It was amazing. Thank you uh-huh. and, and John for bringing him on as a guest. Your guests are always fabulous. And the other thing is you um, talked about comrades a lot, and because <laughs> of you guys, I went and I raced comrades uh, marathon in South Africa, and it was one of the most... I have to do it. I have to do it. Ultimate I, races. I want to I've do it, and then done. I pull back from wanting to do it, and then you've talked to me, and I'm like, oh, God, I have oh to do it. Oh, my now. gosh. Really? It's just amazing. Oh, okay, I'm going to lock it in. Uh, thank you for putting on this camp. It's been, I love meeting people from all over the world. I think that's why I love these camps the most, and they're always in amazing spots, mm. but it's it's getting to know people from other cultures and countries, but we're all dealing with the same work life family balance and of course triathlon and so it's just funny because everybody's dealing with the same thing but it's a little different you know how people deal with it and in mm. different countries and mm. it's just been an amazing uh, experience so mm. i wanted to thank you guys and i have to give a shout out to rick laird um he is oh, yeah, a rick. kiwi yeah, yeah, yeah. that's been living in the u.s for like 20 years and he is the one probably eight years ago that introduced me to i am talk the podcast yeah. and I wasn't really listening to podcasts at the time and the first couple of shows I do have to say I couldn't quite oh, no, understand of course, yeah, I get that all the time <laughs> especially me you know if I talk too I fast like, I can't quite get what they're saying I know that I sh- I'll like it once I can get it and one of our other friends he gave up and but I stuck with it and I have to say it's my the thing I look forward to each week oh, so you. really oh, thank you guys thank it's you been a great to meet you have a good luck this weekend thank and uh, just you. thank you for your time mate thank you awesome thank Bye-bye. you Okay, John, so two dates. Um, anything else? No, I'll be uh, going to be writing up the rest of my race, or going over my race plan and adding to it. Uh, so we'll maybe go through that on tomorrow's show. won't go into huge, huge detail. It's um, hopefully going to be relatively straightforward and you know, just need to be ready to adapt on the day depending on what the conditions throw at us. Um, it looks like it is going to be hot. Shouldn't really change things on the swim or the bike too much, but the run, um, yeah, just a few little tweaks. But you've got a bunch of happy campers and... Feeling good? Read Rumble. It was interesting with Joe Skipper talking about how in that run he had last year, how just stopping to go to the toilet was almost a blessing in disguise. And that's one of the things. You've got, you've always got to have your strategies in place, perfect scenario, but it's a, it, it's a day of decisions, and it's all about making the right decisions from you to get from A to B as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And if that means pulling off the course and going for a shit for a couple of minutes, mm. that's going to probably save you quite, well, for him, you know, that's that was massive. the difference between yeah. having a, probably an average run and a sensational... So what you 238? 238, course record. Oh. I mean, as you said yesterday... People have not, ran that course. Not every legend has been here, but just about. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you've had Fredino, you've had Luke Macca. Van Laird, Macca, and for him to have the fastest run score is, split, is bloody impressive. Yeah. 
So, and things like, you know, if you're on the bike and you have some stomach issues, you know, just easing off for a period or freewheeling the downhills and just trying to get your heart rate down, you lose time, but in the big scheme of things, you know, you might lose a minute from freewheeling down the long climb down here, mm. but uh, that might mean you can get your nutrition back on track so you have a quicker day. So that's a lot of the stuff that I'll be going through in my head on race day. I've got my optimal plan in terms of power output and pace, etc. but if, you know, if I've got difficulties, might need to ease off from time to time. Sometimes you've got to roll dice, but uh, other times you've got to make good, good strategy decisions. Okay, John, so we'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to release the show tomorrow morning very early in the morning because we've got lots of more content. We're going to go today, this afternoon, we're about to go to do some interviews with some of the legends uh, that they've got here and some big news that we imagine is going to be announced today. And then Make sure you listen in tomorrow um, as well because talk, we're going to have Torsten on the show and he's going to sort of talk through, hopefully we'll talk through the, his sort of predictions. So if you want to get a really good feel for the race or even be listening to it in the early stages of the race if you are spectating online, then it's a good idea to listen into that because he knows a hell of a lot more about the pros than we do and knows all their sort of strengths and weaknesses and predicted times etc also going to be having a chat to Felix tomorrow it's a um, we pre-recorded I pre-recorded that a while ago and just sort of talking through why they made the changes to the run and also the online coverage so there is online coverage um, from TV coverage from 9:30 in the morning um, German time, so back home that's seven thirty in the evening for for Kiwis, and the rest of you guys can can do the bat, do the maths. The reason they time it that way is because that's when the pro athletes hit the or, or are about to hit the Solberg Hill on oh, okay. on lap one, and they start their TV coverage from that time. Goes through the rest of the day. Um, the other thing, you know, we had a chat to Victoria Murray Orr, who is the former race director of Challenge Wanaka, and she's going to be doing the social media side of things. So uh, it really looks like you know they've got two two girls designated to follow the pro women's race and I guess they'll have a couple of guys for the men's so really interesting to see how they stack up compared to what we see on Ironman coverage and equally on the tracking you know we'll be really I'll be really interested to hear from you guys if challenge really can deliver a significantly better package than what Ironman is is like because look we're here and you know we've had so much positive stuff about this race but if you're doing things that you know aren't aren't as good as Ironman, then you know we'll, we'll let you guys know. But I'm struggling at the moment to find anything. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. The only thing that was uh, yeah this morning I when we swam down in the canal, the swim boys weren't out, and I'm sure there was a good reason for that. Probably because it opens up and then the um, and then the boats start coming through it from nine o'clock onwards. But that would have been useful, um, especially for the, the the bottom part of the course to to really get a good fix on where the swim boys are. But that's about my only complaint so far. The queue, the queue for the for well, the rego was pretty short, and I haven't really got much. Well, I think the other interesting thing is, you know, it's like when someone tells you about a movie that's going to be the best movie of all time, they almost ruin it for you, mm. you know, because the expectations is you come into it too high, and then you kind of think, oh, that movie wasn't as good, and maybe if they hadn't have told you, it would have been better. But then sometimes you get a movie where people tell you it's great, you turn up and it's great, and. That's the thing a challenge wrote has to deliver is that people come in. It's the bucket list race. Like mm. pretty much every interview we've done, people have gone, "Oh, this is my bucket list race." And it's a prize as well. Yeah, 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 totally. And so there's something about this race that is just so appealing, and they have to deliver on that expectation. Mm. But mm. they do. And mm. now we haven't seen the race yet, so we're going to we have to comment more on that post race on the next show after the race. But um, even the changes they're making to the run course, like we're not talking about that yesterday. 
it might make a little bit slower, but GPS is sent less. Yeah. So it's going to be fast, a great, exciting, awesome run. It's the uh, that is the only downside for me. It, well, there's two downsides. It's going to be harder because you're not going to have that soft impact, and it's going to be slower. There's lots more positives. I only look at the negative as for me, it's going to be slower, yeah. <laughs> slower. But um, like, uh, there's like in a 10k radius, going to have 17 hotspots. Mm. Like, it's just going to be a party. Mm. And how cool is it going to be for the athletes? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, just bring bring on Sunday. Righty ho. Let's wrap it up. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Extreme Endurance and Athlinks.com, and all you patrons out there, if you love what you're hearing, um, that's a way that you guys can support the show on an ongoing basis. Helps keep Bevan and I in the game, and if you come in, in, the game. You come in at $10 per month, you get a, a beautiful I Am Talk swim cap, and if you come in at 20 bucks a month, then you get a swim cap and a beanie as well, an I Am Talk beanie. So great way for you guys to support the show, and that's about it. Okay, let's wrap it up, John. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.